Today's episode is brought to you by Reef Builders, winner of Best of Howls, five years running. Reef Builders is a Tempe, Arizona-based, full-service design-build construction company. What's a design-build company? It means you deal with one company for everything. Reef Builders is able to take your vision and bring it to life by drawing your plans, producing photorealistic, high-resolution 3D renderings of your kitchen, baths, and more, helping you design and pick your finishes, and finally, executing that vision. With their years of building experience and a superior client experience, using tools such as online project management software through their client portal that allows you to see your renovation in real time. Whether you're in town, on vacation, or living in another state, you have access to job progress photos, your build schedule, financials, and much more anywhere in the world. So if you're looking for a complete bath or kitchen renovation, a complete home renovation, a custom home designed and built, or a boutique commercial project built out, Reef Builders can deliver it. Reef Builders, your vision, their experience delivered. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Make the Difference Podcast. Today, we have uh, an individual that we've known for quite some time. Uh, we've actually wanted him on the podcast for quite some time, but we didn't know if he was mature enough. Uh, but Chris and I talked about it. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Way to start. Yeah, so we... So, so, uh, yeah, you were right. Yeah, so we figured it out. So uh, with me and Chris Stewart today is Adam Cayazzo. Adam is a uh, captain with the Phoenix Fire Department, um, has an interesting story. Um, we're going to let him tell that story as always. So, Adam, welcome. Say hello to everybody. Hello. Thanks for having me. For sure. So, like I told you before, we kind of start in the beginning, we'll let you roll, and then we uh, interject and say stupid things along the way. That's so. perfect, because I'll <laughs> say plenty of stupid <laughs> things for you to jump on. It's a magical help. formula. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> I was going to start off uh, like the jerk, Steve Martin and the jerk, though, <laughs> but I decided not to. Can't do it. Yeah. It's okay. It. <laughs> Uh, so, hey, uh, yeah, so I was born uh, in 1971, April, so I just turned 50 this year. Oh, nice. Uh, my dad was an ATF agent. <coughs> my mother was a uh, uh, stay-at-home mom, like an older brother, older sister. I was born in Hollywood, Florida, actually. Oh, really? That's uh, where uh, Kelly Slater's from. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He, we didn't know each other. Yeah. Important <laughs> surf guy. Yeah. No big deal. He's yeah. Fucking, yeah. Like, I heard he's all right. Yeah, he's okay. Yeah. He's uh-huh. getting the hang of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just figuring it out at 50. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Um, I lived there for two years and then we moved up to, uh, Annapolis, Maryland, which was, uh, pretty, uh, it was a pretty cool place to live. Uh, my dad was working out of DC about 30 minutes away. Grew up in Annapolis till third grade, played football there, moved up to Connecticut. Football was pretty bad. I don't know if you know this or not, but there's not. Bad isn't many. good? No. Oh. Okay. No, no, not LL Cool J bad. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it, besides maybe Dwight Feeney and uh, Steve Young, I think, are the only Connecticut football players. Really? I don't huh. know, really know any. Two. A couple from University of Connecticut, but. Never knew that. Yeah. They were, we're really not known for our, our football. What sports? Hockey. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Lacrosse so, big there? Lacrosse is big. Yeah. Hockey's big. Um, some baseball. But, I mean, even if, I mean, besides hockey, if you make All-State there, you're still a big fish in a little pool, right? Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, we're tidy. You drive two hours and freaking, you're, you're still in Connecticut. You're out of Connecticut no matter what direction you go from a house. <laughs> you know, so. I knew it was small. I didn't think it was that small. So yeah. I got in, I got on, when I was moving out here, I, uh, I visited a friend in Dallas and I was going 
from Dallas to here, and I got on a highway. It said 635 miles to El Paso. I was like, fucking same state? <laughs> yeah, all miles. the same state. And I'm thinking, I'm like, yeah. so I looked it up in... Uh, 635 miles from Connecticut, I would have gone through nine states and I would have been in North Carolina. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, so stop playing football, start playing hockey, did Taekwondo, uh, did a bunch of other sports, did baseball. I was pretty bad. Hockey, I picked up pretty, pretty well. Um, I swam in the summers, that kind of stuff. Family was good. Brother and, brother and I got along so-so. Got, we're better as adults. Older or younger? I'm the baby. Are you the baby? Yeah, me yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, me too. We're assholes. Yeah. We get away with everything. <laughs> <laughs> Not in your family? Right. Not with an ATF yeah. agent for a dad. Uh, you know? Yeah, you're not even getting away with, with sleeping in. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. So, uh, yeah, it was good. My dad's a, you know, he, uh, very, very intelligent guy. Uh, graduated at 17 years old, went to JUCO, and then ended up at University of Georgia because that's where all Italians from Brooklyn end up. You know, of course. only makes yeah, sense. Of course. Right, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 So even crazier part of that story is he was an FFA in high school. Future Farms of America. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he had to go to school in Queens, an hour and a half away by two trains just so he could be, and then he used to go up and work on farms during the summer. Wow. During the 50s. So he was yeah, born in 37. Cool. So 1952, 53, he's working up in farms in Rome, New York, and Utica, New York, ends up in Georgia, becomes a, gets out of there, becomes an officer in the Coast Guard, gets out of the Coast Guard. We'll and forgive then, him for that. What's that? We'll forgive him for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, he uh, he ends up taking a test for the, the civil service or the government test, and he got calls from FBI, Secret Service, and ATF. And at the time... Um, ATF was had the best benefits, best pay for a single man. Uh, Secret Service wasn't really a place for to raise a family if you want to get married. Yeah, you're at, you're at the will. Yeah, and the FBI too. You're at the yeah. will of them. So that was kind of the direction he went. Stayed in the reserves, had two pensions. But I digress. Like I'll probably do a lot for right the next on. two hours. Um, or 15 minutes, you might pull the fucking plug on me. We're like, yeah. Jesus Christ. We like to go about 25 minutes on our podcast. Yeah, it's a tester. Yeah. Er, no, we ran out of tape. You can't use that anymore, huh? Digital. Yeah. Um, so childhood, good. Didn't really have any big issues. My biggest issue as, as, a, as a child, most likely, was, I was a little bit dyslexia, um, which held me back, made me real uncomfortable reading, really uncomfortable around other people in the classroom. And it was one of those things... Um, where they didn't even realize it until I was like a senior in high school. Oh, wow. And my mom kept telling them, I think there's something wrong with his reading. <laughs> right. And because... Not him, but yeah, his reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's definitely something wrong with the book. <laughs> right. Steinbeck just can't write worth a crap. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they didn't figure that out. Why? And which led into my kind of pernat- uh, less than stellar academic career. We'll put it that way. Sure. I always had the brains to do it. Um, the attitude and effort wasn't always there, um, which when I, th- I look back at it now, I think it was just excuses, you know, because as anything, if you work hard enough, you can do it. Um, but I, I think I used a little of that insecurity of the dyslexia of not wanting to do it because I didn't want to embarrass myself. If I put in the effort and then it didn't work, not realizing that what I realize now that putting the effort is the benefit more yeah. than the success or the failure. You were actually a teenage male. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I started growing. I started shaving at 12 years old. So. Yeah. Well, that's. <laughs> I started shaving when I was 35. Yeah. <laughs> You're up for your next one. <laughs> Every three days. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if I'm lucky. Uh, so uh, started late in hockey. Started because in Connecticut everyone starts hockey at three, four years old. I started at 10 years old. Um, I was so bad, I had to play with the six and seven year olds. <laughs> I was so fat, I had to play with an eight and nine year olds. <laughs> <laughs> so I do a whole season. I end up going to a summer camp. This guy, Gary Deneen, and he coached a junior A team in New England, which put out Division One guys, NHL guys for years and years. He coached a summer camp, progressed a lot in that first two weeks. He came up to my mom and he was like, hey, how about uh, another two weeks? We really think we can get them into that next level if we go another two weeks. And she was like, well, we can't afford that. We have two other kids. But nope, this one's on us. So, yeah, just gave me another two weeks. I got to go in there for free, and I went from not knowing how to skate to the next year being on the uh, A-B team. And the year after that, being on the B team by the time I was a freshman in high school, I was a varsity. So B's the uh-huh. highest? B's the lowest. A's the oh, highest. Okay. So I kind of transported back and forth, I think, and I was, I don't know, seventh grade, eighth grade, I was on the A team. We ended up winning a New England championship. Um, freshman in high school, I make varsity with one other kid who ended up getting drafted in NF, uh, NHL. Wow. Um, made varsity soccer, too. We didn't have football in my school. <laughs> Did, did most schools have, have, have football? I would say three-quarters of schools in Connecticut had them. Um, my town was not, I wouldn't say Richie Rich. It was kind of a mixture of farm and rich, you know, because we were 15 minutes outside Hartford. We we're 12 minutes outside Springfield, so we're in between two smaller cities. But you can still get that country living. Um, the story goes that they, they had a football program, and some kid broke his neck during the 70s, yeah. and they canceled the program. Right, right. So, so they decided to play hockey instead. Yeah, because it's a safer <laughs> sport. <I> mean, <laughs> right. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um, so that's, uh, I would say, for me, um, the growing up too fast started when I was 14. So I made two varsity sports as a freshman. Now I'm hanging out with juniors and seniors. Seniors in high school can go vote. They, I mean, they're 18 years old. They can go vote. They can go fight in a war. And I'm 14 years old, still trying to figure out my hormones, emotions, and all that stuff. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still trying to 50. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> this thing still works. Um, uh, well, my kids don't hear that one. Uh, so I get introduced to alcohol when I'm um, 13, 14. Ooh, it's early. Yeah. By who? Uh, I think I actually had my first beer with my best friend's dad when we were 12 or 13. And we had worked a whole day. He had a big old yard, and um, we had worked all day for him doing stuff like that. And he was like, well, man's work deserves a man's beer. And I gassed it. Like, it wasn't even like a, oh, I didn't <laughs> like that. I was like, whoa, boy, that was easy. Like Gatorade. Yeah. <laughs> and what I realized later as I got older, I, I, was, I was doubly screwed because I had a high metabolism and a high tolerance, Ooh. which is, if you're drunk, it's a... It's a trip to success and failure all at the same time, yeah, right? right. Um, so hanging out with the older kids, start doing older kid stuff, start drinking. Um, I had a really good freshman career in hockey. I was voted on one of the brightest futures in Connecticut and in the Hartford Current and all this stuff. And wow. um, start playing summer leagues with these kids that were better than me. 
And then I started meeting girls and drinking alcohol. So my, my trajectory didn't quite keep going uphill. <laughs> wow, so young at 15 yeah. or 14 you're doing yeah, that? Yeah, so I'm a freshman. I'm 14 at this time, going into 15. Um, Dad didn't know? Dad was undercover. Dad was gone a lot. Oh, they knew. Okay, right. They knew and they didn't know. I mean, we hit it pretty well. They were both working at this time. I had an older brother, older sister. My brother was a senior in high school when I was a freshman. My sister was off to college. Um, they had an ideas, and then as my high school got worse, or my drinking got worse, it became more and more evident, more and more. I'm getting grounded more and more. I'm getting in trouble more and more. I'm not doing the things that I should be doing. And what I realized, you know, 10, 15 years later is I started using alcohol as a crutch for my failures. So I, I started using it as an excuse, right? Interesting. So SATs are coming up. Might as well drink the night before. That way if I don't... And I didn't know this while I was doing it. Yeah, right. Yeah, obviously. I wasn't like, oh, I'm self-sabotaging yeah, on purpose. It's just, no, I don't think anyone self-sabotages on purpose. But So I'd go out drinking the night before. That way if I failed or didn't do as well as I wanted, oh, I was so hammered. I was so hungover. You know, I had a couple tryouts that I can still remember calling my mom to ask if I could stay over my friend's house. I was a junior. I was trying out for this Europa Cup. Um, it was a big, pretty big-time summer league. And she must have heard it in my voice that I was hammered. And she was like, what are you doing? She let me, I think she let me stay over because they, she didn't want anyone driving drunk. No. But the next day, I mean, my trial was ghastly. Like, I mean, just pitiful. Um, obviously, I didn't make the team. But I didn't realize that stuff until after. You know what I mean? Um, I had a high school girlfriends, guys, as far as friends. I had a good group, core people that I'm still friends with since fifth grade. So thankfully, I, with my, my drinking, I didn't blow those issues or blow those relationships. But I definitely strained them over the years. Um, the first... <laughs> The first time I had the talk, you know, that you got to watch your alcohol, I think I was a junior. And a buddy of mine had, uh, we were out at a party in farm towns, and farm, you go out in the woods and you drink at bonfires and you come home. And somebody had grain alcohol, moon, they call it white lightning. So they made mm -hmm. up their own. Yes. It was an older kid. He was like 22, hanging out with 17 year olds, kind of deal. Even more awesome. Yeah. At this time, we're living in a condo. My brother and sister have moved out. I'm a junior in high school. We're building my, uh, my, <laughs> my room up on the third floor. My parents' bedroom was on the middle floor. I'm sleeping on a mattress in the bottom floor because I didn't want to have to keep going up into this attic that wasn't finished. So I'd hide it. We'd keep it in one room. I'd bring it out and go, well, my mom's sleeping on the couch because my dad snored so loud that she can't sleep. <laughs> So I wake up in the morning, and my mother is furious. What's her? Is that her normal personality? Get fired up, or is she pretty laid back? She's yeah, she's the fiery one of the oh. two. Oh wow! Yeah, my dad was Mr. Mellow. Okay. Just my oldest son and my dad are a lot alike. They're always here, never cursed. A lot like like me. Yeah, me <laughs> yeah, too. right, right, right. Uh huh. Somewhere in that neighborhood. His, his whole thing was like uh, he only cursed as an exclamation point. Like yeah. he didn't want to waste it. Right. Like if he was gonna say if he was gonna say fuck, then he was gonna you were gonna know yeah. oh shit oh, it yeah, meant something yeah. game so, on yeah. kind of deal. Um, so my mom was uh, the more outgoing, outspoken, the, the quicker fuse than my dad. Gotcha. I wake up and she's furious, pissed. 
I have no idea what happened the night before. She goes, do you remember what happened last night? <laughs> no. She goes, well, when I woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning and saw you standing over the TV and peeing on the VCR. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I yelled at you. You stopped. You went upstairs. And there's a bathroom on the downstairs floor. You walked upstairs to use the bathroom upstairs. And apparently at one point, I must have fallen asleep and fell and pulled the towel rack out of the wall. Oh, fuck. Hit the floor. When By the time she got upstairs, I was laying in the bathtub with said towel as a blanket back to sleep. Oh, how old are you again? 17. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's intense. Yeah. I think it was in the summer between my junior and senior year. So the alcohol conversation starts. And my mother never knew her real dad. She lived with an alcoholic stepfather. So... That kind of stuff was really close to her bone. And we didn't have uh, vast alcohol in our, or alcoholism in our family, but um, alcohol was around everything we did. Every party, every family get-together, every, everything revolved around. We'd be drinking and partying and sure, yeah. laughing and mm -hmm. telling stories and that kind of stuff. The unfortunate part is I couldn't turn it off like a normal human being, you know, or a normal person who can drink alcohol. My body craved it more and more you know they they say at first you take the drink then the drink takes the drink and then the drink takes you that's kind of the progression is how my life went with when it comes to alcohol so oh i'm sorry um so things kind of well i get in trouble obviously um things kind of mellow out get back on stage or as stages of life getting ready for my senior year getting ready for sats again i go drinking the night before so they were less than stellar scores. Senior year goes decent. Not, not the trajectory of my freshman year to my senior year where I should be. It's like 87, 88? Yeah, uh, 88, 89. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. So I graduated in 89. So are you thinking college, go play in college? I'm thinking it. Yeah. But it's a pipe dream. Yeah, got it. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. It's, it's oh, I'd I want to go play in college, and I'm looking at good D2 teams, smaller D1 teams. Um, when we graduated in 89... The summer league team that I did play for, the Connecticut Cup team, we had six kids that were the, supposedly the best 120 kids in Connecticut and Western Massachusetts. Of that class, and it was sophomores, juniors, seniors, of the senior class, six kids got drafted in the first round. Wow. Jesus. Including Chris Drury's older brother, Teddy, and if you know hockey. The, yeah, I know that um, name. Billy Guerin was on, the, on our summer league team. He won a Stanley Cup with the Devils, played in the Olympic team. Like, there was... Quality, a yeah, lot of right. D one players, Boston College kids, Harvard kids, stuff like that. So, I wasn't to their level, but I thought I if I would have kept my trajectory, maybe a good D two, maybe a small D one. Could you have been at their level if you didn't start start drinking? If I knew how to work like I do now, yeah, yeah, back then, possibly, yeah. But you, I mean, you look at the eighties; we didn't have training like they have now. No, no, no. It was you were a good athlete, you did a little extra work, and right. they grabbed you. I mean, you look at the things that they're doing. But now. you had the skill and the size and all that. I stuff. had the size. I had, I was slow as molasses, but I had a good. As we've talked about, I have a, a more of a diesel truck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not a Ferrari. I like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Set I could get it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so in the first sprint, all the time, I was middle of the road. Fifth sprint, I was in the top quarter. Tenth sprint, I might be the top three. Yeah. 
because my speed never slowed down. And you can't, that pays off in you a game. You can't go slower than I was yeah. going. <laughs> yeah. Right. That pays off in a game. Yeah, exactly. What do they call it? Third period? Yeah. Right in hockey? Yeah. I have fucking no idea about hockey. Yeah, there's three so, periods. Yeah, three yeah. periods. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. There's a, there's a lot of famous Mexican yeah, hockey yeah. players. Filipino too, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Shit yeah. Filipino hockey players. Uh, yeah. yeah. Ton of them. They're Ton big them. in the Olympics. Yeah. 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 Filipino hockey team. Oh, the yeah. uh, Philippines just won their first gold medal. Last I saw night. that, so, yeah. yeah. Ever. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so coming uh-huh. on strong. Look out. Here they go. This <laughs> <laughs> guy's the limit now. Yeah. All right. Keep going. Sorry, dude. So, so uh, size and speed. Size, yeah, it, yeah. I'm a decent hockey player. Not great. I'm not going to make the Olympics, but I, I, I can play the game. I understand the game. My brain worked better than my speed. So I could figure out the game quickly. I knew yeah. where people were going to be. I understood the game. I could see things well. That's important because you can process things faster. Yeah. And, 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 and that's where I think the difference between a lot of elite athletes and not, and not elite athletes, right? They, they're not, whatever game they're playing, they're not able to process it as fast as yeah. the good guys. Yeah. That's a, yeah. That's, and you can't, you can't develop that. That's like, you have, you have it or you don't. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, so I applied to a couple schools. Didn't get in. You know, dumbfounded, why not? Uh, so I was like, oh, what am I going to do? So my parents, they go on vacation. Uh, for the, It's over my spring break, or I was in schools, like March. They go on vacation to Cancun. While they're gone, an army gr- recruiter calls. I'm half Just cut. out of the blue? Yeah, ha- yeah. I don't know if they, they told them or right, what. Right, yeah, you're <laughs> getting, yeah, they, <laughs> yeah. they knew. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, I'm half hung over in the morning, and I'm like, sure, come on over. <laughs> And I can't remember it was that day or the next day. He scheduled a for me, came by, and, you know, they put the hoorah tape on. And I'm like, all right, I'm in. And the guy was like, seriously? I was like, yeah, sounds good. And in my mind, I didn't. There's two ways you went in my town. And there wasn't a lot of military guys. There wasn't a lot of people. You either stayed in town and worked the fields or you mowed lawns or you got a job around there doing something, construction, that kind of stuff, or you went to college. And a lot of my friends are really, really sick. Went to college and they're really successful at what they do. Um, I didn't want to mow lawns. I, I, I always had a good wife. I started working when I was 12 years old. I was haying fields in sixth grade. And I, they, you know, I've had this conversation with my boys when they can't load the dishwasher at <laughs> 12 years old. I'm like, dude, how many times uh, I got to show you how to load a dishwasher? Yeah. Like, I was haying fields at 12 years old and throwing yeah. hay bales. Let's get it on here, boys. I can only not load the dishwasher when I'm on shift. It's weird. It's weird how that yeah. happens. Every other place, I'm really Yeah, good they're at. way different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they have it on the other side. <laughs> it's kind of backwards. Yeah. I think they're left-handed dishwashers. I'm always waiting for C-shift anyway, because they, they're much better at it than me. <laughs> um, so he shows up, goes through the tape. My parents get home. I got all the booklets and everything. I'm like, they're like, what the? Are you thinking? <laughs> and I'm 17 years old, so I have to have them sign a permission slip. Or, like, I can't just go in. Yeah. Um, waiver, we call those. Yeah, <laughs> permission for waiver. Yeah. yeah, there's always a waiver in the, yeah. in the military. So, so they uh, they're trying to talk me into the air force, get a little bit more gentlemanly. And they're trying to talk me, not the marines. Uh, they're trying to talk me something so I could learn a skill, get out, and this yes. and the other. And all I had in my head was airborne infantry. Let's see how tough you are. You know, I kind of felt I built myself to feel like an alpha. So I wanted to see what I had in the tank. I wanted to see what I could do, what I could get away with, what I could push myself through they sign off on it i do the delayed entry program so i um i get to 
uh, college fund. So when I get out, I was going to get like 27500 per school. A little GI Bill money. A little yeah. GI Bill money. So I graduate high school June 18th, 1989, and I'm in basic training July 18th, 1989. Wow. So fucking around. Yeah. yeah. So I had turned 18 by this point, um, and I'm gone. My dad believes you should march off stage and get right on a bus and go right to basic training. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, he's like, the world would be a better place. Yeah, you don't have time to screw around and yeah. re- realize you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, go. Where was basic training? Fort Benning, Georgia. Okay. So, so funny note, senior year, um, I go to Paris on a school trip with a bunch of my friends. It's a school trip. So I turned 18 on a plane ride over. It's my first plane. Oh, I guess I was on a plane when I was two months old, but I didn't really count that. My first plane ride. I fly to Paris, second one, fly back. Third one, I fly down to Georgia for basic training. My fourth one, I jumped out. <laughs> nice. Sixth, seventh, eighth, yeah, and ninth, right. I jumped out uh-huh. all those. <laughs> right. Perfectly good plane. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So I sign up for, I want to go to Rangers. I want to go right into battalion after basic ART and airborne school. Um, basic and AIT together, like 17 weeks, down to Fort Benning, Georgia, in the middle of the summer. Great timing. It's beautiful. Beautiful. I still fucking hate sand yeah. to this day, 30-something <laughs> years later. It's not humid at all. No, no, no. no. And the good thing is, is it, I just drip olive oil being Italian, and <laughs> I got a nice hair sweater on under this, so everything worked out really, really well for me. Would you? How big were you when you entered base training? I'm a 172 pounds. What'd you leave at? 188. Oh, you gained weight. With a size 30. I went from a 32 waist to a 30 waist, and I put on 16 pounds. That's impressive. Yeah, <laughs> I came home, and my friends were like, what the hell happened yeah. to you? <laughs> You're one of those kids. Yeah, my dad was the same. My dad was 6'3", 250. Okay. So there's size in my family. My brother, before all his back surgeries, he was 6'3". I was oh. the runt. Um, did really well in basic, really well in AIT. I was doing, <laughs> I, had, I had a pilonatal cyst. You know what it is? Uh yes, I've heard of it. Oh, it's brutal. So I get a I get a cyst in between my butt cheeks. Oh, dude. I don't know. If we, 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 we should talk about this, dude. <laughs> and the last like month of basic training, dude. we have an eighteen mile road march. And you're not going to say anything about that. I'm not saying a word. Yeah, that's your graduation wreck. And it, we have an eighteen miler. Yeah, that's your graduation wreck. That night, it breaks open in my sleep. So now my in the barracks or out in the field? In the barracks. Oh wow! Yeah, so I'm full of pus and blood in my shorts, and I'm like, oh, now I got to tell my drill sergeant. Yeah, this is I'm 18 fun. years old. Yeah. Right. I go up to my drill sergeant. I'm like, hey, drill sergeant, I got something going on. I'm bleeding. He was like, bleeding. I go, yeah, something. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> something happened on my ass. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, what in the living fuck? Were he was you like, who did it? it? No. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. You know that was his first thought. Yeah. So <laughs> I go into this room. With just him, he goes, let me see. And I'm like, seriously? So I got to turn around, and we're literally this far apart, yeah. four feet apart. And I turn around and have to pull down my pants and bend over because it's in between, and it's about the size of my Spread thumb. Spread your butt cheeks. <laughs> and all I hear, and I'm mortified, you know, and all I hear is, Jesus Christ, dude, you're fucking disgusting. Pull your pants back up. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the last time you ever heard Yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> so... They sent me to the, the medical center. They sent me to, I got to get surgery. And for those, so for some reason, they said I, it was too close to the spine, so they couldn't give me Novocaine. I think it was just a way to just F with us. Ooh. So I got a nurse yeah. on each arm, and they cut it in a T or a cross, 
and they open it up and they dig everything out. Oh, well, damn. because it was how big was it? Like let's get like is so it? about the size of a thumb. Oof. So. They dig it all out. Well, you can't form a, you can't sew it up because it forms a pocket and might form another cyst. So they leave it open and they pack it with gauze. Oh. So now I got to go back to the barracks. I got to ride a school bus. They didn't even let you stay in the no. hospital. Oh, oh no, no. And I've had other family members that had it and said they were in the hospital for like two or three days. They sent me back to the barracks on a school bus or army bus with a with a blow up donut oh, to sit God. on, with a. <laughs> With a piece of five-inch gauze hanging out of my butt cheek to go take showers with a bunch of other dudes. <laughs> and all wow. yours, hey, your tampon string's hanging out of your ass. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> the worst, dude. So, oh, it gets worse. So every day for eight days, I got to go back to the medical center. They got to pull the dry gauze out, pour hydrogen peroxide down the hole, stick a Q-tip in it, clean it all out, repack it, and send me back to the thing. So I miss graduation. Because it's yeah, right there. Obviously, I'm a week late going to airborne school. So all my buddies that I've gone through basic training and everything. So now I'm in airborne school all by myself with yeah, a bunch you, of guys I don't know. You're gonna miss that window. Yeah, I get to airborne school and my recruiter said, "Hey, you want to go on? You want to go Ranger Battalion? You got to go in unassigned airborne. When you get to airborne school, or airborne school, you volunteer for Rangers. So that's the plan. They lied. <laughs> they lied. Really? Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's, that's complete yeah. nonsense. That never, that never happens. Yeah. <laughs> no shit. Oh, yeah. Hey, uh, oh, yeah. When, when so, this was the that? second time I had something to happen to my ass with my military. <laughs> so, I get there. I volunteer. They're like, all right, boom. They bring me in. They're like, oh, you already got orders cut for Italy. And I'm like, I want, I want to go to Rangers. They're like, ah, too late. You already got orders cut. You don't have a Ranger contract. You have to, you have, to have a Ranger contract. Yep. From the recruiter? From yeah. the recruiter. You yeah. gotta sign up that day, dotted line. Wow. You can go another way, which is what Adam's gonna try and possibly do, but yeah, but no, yeah. Yeah, it didn't work. So I'm pouting, obviously upset. It's not where I wanna go, where I wanna be. I got a girlfriend at home and now I'm going to Europe. So I get there and I am less than thrilled. I am uh went to Germany, right? I went to Italy. Oh Italy. So I was, it, it was about in Vicenza, Italy, about an hour and a half less That'd than be pretty good though. If you're mature in an airborne <laughs> in an airborne uh, airborne group, airborne. So we're in an air one. We had one singular airborne battalion in all of Europe. Wow, and that was us. Okay, it was a uh, 82nd Airborne, third of three two five. Outstanding leadership, outstanding. Um, just everything about it. When I look back at it now, I couldn't have picked a better unit to go to. Um, people to learn under. I first get there, so I'm a week later than, and I had like seven of my buddies I went to basic with that got shipped over there. Good, so I had friends, so that was good. Right. Well, I get there, and I get there with two other guys that were. I'm an E1. I'm just out of basic, and I get there with two E4s that have been in like two, three, four years somewhere Don't you like get that. A stripe? No, you, you, I think you get it. Maybe get I'm an E2. Yeah, I'm like I thought you get a stripe. It's thirty years ago, yeah, thirty-two true. years ago. I saw. I'm like maybe four. Well, and it's that. such a huge jump for me one to E two, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, dude, <laughs> savage. So <laughs> much more responsibility. I, I'm just wondering, like maybe Adam just fucked up. That's all I was really, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so, asking. I get there and the third platoon squad leader is doing our intro, and he goes, "All right, who's the baddest motherfucker out of the three of you?" I oh. go, "I am." You're not lacking confidence, are you? I go, "I am, Sergeant." He goes, "All right, you're with me." <laughs> so. I went with air, ended up in a weapon squad, and I did some good stuff. Um, things were going well military-wise. So Still I drinking this whole time? Drinking. Yeah, that's, now, because that's accepted. Like, that's what you do, right? And alcohol Can you is, make it through basic, no drinking? Yeah. 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 I, have I, haven't, I hadn't 
I hadn't gotten full board. Okay. You just don't have access to it. You're so locked down that you can't even fucking... But can't. it doesn't screw with you. No, I'm not jonesing. Okay. When I get to airborne school, because you get weekends off, I definitely start... I started back up, but not where I'm like jonesing, where I'm like, oh, I need it, I need yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, got it. <clears throat> and honestly, I really think I was more of a binge drinker than... I wasn't an everyday drinker. Well, it's time to go. It's time to go. Oh, yeah. yeah. But there was no, oh, I'm just going to have a, a margarita. It was... No, we're doing mm-hmm. shots and beers till one of us pisses our pants. Yeah. There was no, there was right. no in between. Yeah, yeah. You know, either somebody's having sex or somebody's getting in a fight or I'm passing out. There's like that sounds excellent. Yeah, right. there's three routes that <laughs> uh-huh. this is going. Um, so I get put in for a field appointment to West Point because my scores to get into the military, my ASVAB test was really high, my GT score was really high. Nice. Um, so I get put in for a field appointment, which. I was like, all right, well, cool, let's see. Yeah, that is cool. So I do all the paperwork. My my company officer signs off. My battalion officer signs off. The general of the base signs off. I get all this stuff, again, and I'm, like, starting to get nervous, and I'm like, wait a second. And I look at I got to do a year of prep school, four years of West Point, and then list for five more years after that. Right. So at 19 years old, it was a 10-year commitment. Yeah. I don't know if it was smart. But, oh, obviously it wouldn't. It'd be nice to have a West Point degree. <laughs> but I check it out. Moral of the story, because I well, check I mean, it out. That, that's a tough decision to make at nineteen. I think so. That's a. I mean, most kids, most kids that do that, they really know what they want to do. Yeah. And yeah. like, if you if you're on the fence, it's not going to work. Well, yeah. and you've had a taste of freedom and a taste of being an adult and doing things. Yeah. Before you go there, and it may have felt like it might have been a step back. Yeah. yeah. And and. Part of that too, I was I was starting to get my insecurities about just who I am were starting to surface a little bit more. Drinking was a little bit more. I was calling my parents, like I don't want to be here. I want to get out of here. And then finally, my mom was like, "Hey, fucking suck it up, Buttercup. Like you signed up for this." <laughs> I love it. She was like, "Don't call here again, whining and crying <laughs> about being home." She was like, "You signed up for this." Wow, good for her. I like your mom. Yeah, yeah I like. She her. was like, "You just kind of got to get it done." Yeah. yeah, we'll support you, but it's, it's time for you to get it done. Who am I gonna call now? Yeah, nobody. <laughs> Mom just slapped the shit out yeah. of you. Slapped you right in the yeah. dick and said, yeah. "Get back in so, there." Um, I'm a, I'm a. I think I was in unit. I got there in December. It was probably February, maybe. I my buddies from basic training, but I mean, you're talking about there's some bad dudes there, mm-hmm. and steroids was big in the late '80s, early '90s. So there's some big bad dudes in there. We go to the movie theater with two of my other friends. We had a 99-cent theater right on post, right by the barracks, and this dude's talking the whole movie, talking the whole movie. And I'm like, hey, dude, enough. Shut your damn mouth. We're trying to watch a movie. Needless to say, next thing you know, I'm in a fight in the middle of the road outside the movie theaters because this guy won't shut up. Yeah. So no, the, one's, no one's going to see that. No, no, no. <laughs> so I immediately was arrested, third punch in. <laughs> <laughs> so the first time I meet my company officer is to get my Article uh, 15, 14, 15, 15. So Article 15, so I got 14 days restriction, 14 days extra duty. They took all my civilian clothes, locked them up in the supply room so I couldn't get off base. So we would train or work all day, get done at 5. We'd go to chow, and then from like 6 at night till midnight, yeah, I'm scrubbing <laughs> toilets and mopping floors Sweet. and polishing in. They will, they will get you in line. If you cannot get in line, they will help you do that. No oh, problem. Yeah. yeah. So this kid comes out. His name's Deacon Guidry. Big, big dude from uh, Louisiana. 
And he probably don't remember me, but I remember him. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, I got in trouble. What'd you do? Like, I got in a fight in a the movie theater. Oh, hell yeah. I'm mopping the hallways. He brings me in his room. There's other guys drinking beer in there. They give me a, a 357, a piece, a speed, a couple beers, and send me back on my way. And I'm like, well, this is the way he gets respect here. <laughs> yeah. Is drink and fuck shit up. So, like, this is that. <laughs> okay. So, I found my place. <laughs> I, I'm out of the West Point loop. Welcome to I'm Reef just going to drink and fuck shit up for the next four years. Welcome to Reef Builders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we get it right the first time. We'll get it right. Yeah, I did. not get there. <laughs> so it's on now. And I'm still, but when I'm in the field, I'm rock solid. I'm getting stuff done. I'm getting things done. My scores are good. My shooting's good. My PT scores are good. I end up being coming the uh, platoon RTO. So I carry the, the radio and all the transmission stuff, which adds like 30 pounds to your pack for our lieutenant, for our squad, mm-hmm. or I mean platoon. I end up going from him to our company officer. So now I'm the company RTO. Our first sergeant is this guy, Jock McCain, who made John Wayne look like a little I'm pussy. Like, that's a pretty sweet name. Oh, uh, and his Jock voice. Jock McCain. His yeah. voice yeah. was, when he spoke, you were just like, he's like, <laughs> his famous line was, you hold, you hold the, what do you say? You hold the football, I'll fuck the monkey or something like that. <laughs> like we were like, I don't know what it means, but I'm fucking in. I'll do whatever yeah. you need me to do, I'll do it. What it means is I'm a bad motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and whatever he said, we did. And our company carried this Captain Long. He was just as bad as he was, and we were Alpha Company was there. So and always been on the A shift. Makes sense. Yeah, right. yeah. I couldn't go anywhere else. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Always. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm there about. I don't know, maybe a year, a little over a year, and I get invited to be in a, a squad, a uh, recon squad for the 82nd. So myself and my roommate go over there, and I went from bad dudes to yeah, high speed, really bad dudes. Way high speed. High speed, really bad dudes. Jump guys. in small groups out and then go recon? Uh, more getting dropped off. We didn't really jump in a little, because we worked in five-man teams. We had yeah. three sniper teams, yep. and then we had three five-man uh, recon teams. Sounds like a, almost like a scout. Okay. And more of a scout okay. yep. than, than, than like long-range reconnaissance. Okay. Um, bad dudes. Incredibly fit. Motherfuckers can run, huh? Oh, we had day. a kid in my platoon who ran a 956 two-mile. We had a buddy of mine who's actually a buddy of mine, Robert Welty. He's a captain or lieutenant up in Northern California on the fire department. Um, <laughs> he did a European PT contest against all the best-shaped shoulders in Europe. So you had extended time for push-ups, sit-ups, and then did the two-mile run. He did 550 push-ups. Damn. You couldn't... The only resting positions were hips up or hips down. Couldn't shake your hands out, couldn't shake your... Beat everyone by like 300. Holy shit. The sit-ups, you couldn't rest in the up or down position for more than three seconds. He did 1,800 (laughs) sit-ups. He was out of the ground for an hour. That is savage, dude. Yeah. And then ran 11.04, two mile. My best time ever, two mile, was 11.06. And I did not do 1,800 sit-ups. And uh, he goes, I could have ran. Like, he usually ran a 10.15, 10.20. But he said his hip flexors oh, were hurting him. Fire, like, yeah, dude. you think? Yeah, that's crazy. My first wow. week in, re- in recon, I'm with my buddy. Him and I are bigger for recon guys. And I'm 195 at the time, I think. And we're doing grass drills. We did a six-mile run, came back, and now we're doing grass drills, up and downs. And they were called up-downs instead of burpees back in the day. Yeah. Or squat thrusts, you yeah, know? Eight-count yeah. bodybuilders. Yeah. Yeah. And we're running in place, and I'm, I'm dicking the dirt, tired. And that kid, Wealthy, standing in between Mark and I. And all of a sudden, I look over. He goes, man, I love this shit. And does a backflip. 
It keeps running in place. I looked at Mark. I'm like, I think we're over our head, buddy. Yeah, fuck. That's a freak, man. Yeah. So things are going well. I'm still doing pretty well. We get deployed to Iraq. It's now uh, we missed the first surge of the first Desert Storm. Now it's 1991. Right. We get there at the end of the Iraqi war, beginning of provide comfort. So we're kind of, we come in from Turkey. Um through northern Iraq, and our whole job is to push all the Iraqi soldiers out of the city so all the guys could come home. Is that like the Kurdish area? Kurdish area, yep. exactly. So my squad and the other recon squads, we'd, be, we'd have a sniper team above us, and then we would get inserted 15, 20 miles in front of our guys, our little, and we'd bury down in the rocks. We'd scout, Super bring back fun, on. right? Yeah. It'd be fucking awesome. You, you felt pretty damn cool. Especially at that yeah, age. Yeah. Like, you're not even 23, 24? Uh, no, I'm not even. Uh, it's 1991, so I'm 20. Yeah, dude. 20 years old? You're yeah. like, this is fucking what Yeah, so you're feeling yeah. pretty savage. And I still remember. So do you remember General Abizade that was in charge of, after 9-11? He was kind of in yeah, charge of. Yeah, absolutely. He was my lieutenant colonel. He was no my kidding. battalion commander when, wow. I, when I got to her. So he speaks, speaks fluent Arabic. The first night in Iraq, he comes out and he's like, hey, I need a gun squad. We're going to go check out this time. So my squad and another squad, we jump on some back, some Humvees. He's in the middle. And I can remember this sound. Uh, freaking. And if you've heard it, you'll never forget it. You come around the corner, and we come into this little part of town, and there's 50 Iraqi soldiers just sitting there. Ooh, time to get it And on. all it was is, and you can hear, <laughs> and, everyone's, and everyone's ready to go. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm going to kill somebody. Before I turned 21 years old, this is, you know, yeah, it's real. having a guy who speaks Arabic, things get diffused pretty quickly. And he's like, listen, see these guys, and I'm paraphrasing. I know exactly what he said, because obviously I barely speak English, let alone Arabic. <laughs> he goes, we're going to be back here tomorrow morning. If we're, if you're still here, you're all dead. Yeah. So things kind of diffuse off. We go back, we come back, go back the next morning. They're all gone. Um, we are there, we get there in April, May, beginning of May. I always mess the date up. I think it was May 7th. We are 15, 20 miles into enemy territory, my squad. Um, we had got inserted about six miles away from our observation point, our OP. When we got inserted, we came in on a Blackhawk, and the, uh, the peak was too steep to land on. So we came out the side door as we're coming off. No, it was a Huey. Came out the side door. Um, one of the guys dropped his rucksack and it rolled off the side of the mountain. Oh, damn it. And it's got, it's got our night vision goggles in it. It's got all his food, his extra water, all his, his extra rounds and everything. Yeah. So it's off the side. It's not like, oh, there it is. It's yeah. a couple thousand feet down, 1,500 feet down or whatever. So we're like, oh. So he's got what he's got on and what we got. So we make our way through where we want to where we need to be, and it ends up being an old uh, fort from the Iran-Iraq War. And there's all different kind of landmines in Iraq, and some of them, they have two that look exactly the same, and one you can pick up and move over, and the exact same looking one, if you pick it up, it's pressure sensitive around the bottom too, so it'll blow your hand right off, kind of deal. So I think we're there for two days, three days, I don't know the count anymore. Well, we're four, five guys living on four guys' water, and, and we, we don't want the Iraqis to find the night vision goggles, so... <laughs> My buddy Mark and I play rock, paper, scissor, and he's got to go with the other two to go recon. Retreat and I stay it. back in the, in the Ford area with my Sergeant McClure. They're about, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour late coming back. 
and we realized later that they ran out of water. And it's not Iraq heat yet, but it's it's heat heat. It's you know, imagine April or May here. It's yeah. very so similar. they're moving during the day. Yeah, very similar temperature. They left early in the morning. And they came back, and it's hot. We knew our ways in and out of that place, and because of the heat and everything, um, they came in the wrong way. So I'm looking off over looking the city through my scope, and I hear a big boom. I turn around, and there's a black column coming up right next to me. So. McClure grabs his stuff. I grab my rifle, and I'm the radio guy, too. I'm an AT4. Uh, I carried a M203, M16 with a, M2, with a grenade launcher on mm-hmm. it. And I was also a radio guy, too. So I start calling in. We got three casualties. Obviously, they come in. Uh, my buddy Jay blew off his left leg from the knee down. Right foot ends up getting gangrene, so they amputate to above his knee. Um, testicle. Part of his large intestine, piece of his nose, partially blind in both eyes. Um, Mark takes twenty-three holes, I think it is. Jesus. So they 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 encounter. Uh, it was called a bouncing Betty. So it was like a three-prong landmine. Oh, so they got they got into mines, not into other people. No, they hit a mine on the way in, oh. coming in the wrong direction. Sorry, I should have spoken oh, more clearly. No, I got it. Okay. Um, Mark takes like twenty-three holes in his body. One takes off his kneecap, breaks it in half. You know, the kid, Lauren, um, takes a couple in his neck. Thankfully, just missed everything, and I think he's got about eight to ten holes in him. So it's two of us running in and out, running in and out of this minefield, getting them dressed, getting them done. I'm, uh, you remember the situation, and it's almost like film strips, right? You remember little flashes. Yep. Nothing's like a, a fluid memory. It's like, got it. But I can remember when the helicopter finally came in and I called in the nine line and brought him in or the, the HVAC and I bring him in and we're putting him on and I look at Mark and his face is just pale white. And I, I remember looking at him like I'm looking at you and, and I'm like, what, what just happened? And boom, they're gone. So now it's just Vernon and I, all the gear covered with blood from head to toe. Their blood, not mine. 20 years old. So now we got to gather up our gear. They send another helicopter in eventually, bring us back to the rear area where we can. I don't have another uniform, by the way, at this point. My A-bag hasn't gotten yeah, there. Like, what the f- yeah. My A-bag hasn't gotten there yet, so I wear this uniform for another, like, 15 days, 20 Jeez. days. So, side note, <laughs> I took two showers in my first 57 days in Iraq. Sweet. That's I took right. one. Uh, 32 days in was my first shower and 25 days later was my second shower. So I still go another week or two without showering after this. And I remember, so there's different points in your life that you use as excuses, right? Or why you go a certain direction. It's not the circumstance, but how you react to that circumstance. I remember trying to wash the smell out of my nose and I'm covered with blood. And if you smelled burning flesh it's and gunpowder, it's, Nothing you can kind of emulate. And I'm trying to wash the smell out of my nose. And I'm obviously, I got the shakes a little bit, sad a little bit, frustrated, mad, and yada, yada. The chaplain walks in, doesn't see Vernon and I, my sergeant and I, talking to another officer. He goes, Oh, I heard my services were almost needed today. So, right there on a guy who was kind of 50 50 about religion and God and that kind of, I'm like, Well, if that's a, medis- uh, if that's a messenger of God, then fuck off. Yeah. I want nothing to do with it. You think I was going to be savage before, and now I'm like, I'm on my way. Um, we get three new guys. 
we go right back out on a mission two days later and start doing the same things over and over again. And now, because I know what to look for, I'm clearing minefields. Are they new-new, or did they just come from some other group? We had to pull them from other platoons. Okay. And right. the nice thing was I knew two of the three. Um, but now I'm 20 years old. They're hanging back and taking security while I'm clearing minefields by myself because I now I have, unfortunately, experience. Yeah, right. Um, 30 days later, uh, another squad, this kid Lars Chu, stepped on the landmine, blew both of his legs off. His, one of his last words to uh, the surgeon <laughs> when they said they were going to bring him in for surgery the next morning as well. I lost both my legs, but at least I still got both my balls. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a bright side. Yeah. There's always a bright side. Uh, Unfortunately, he, uh, he hemorrhaged and stroked out the next morning, so he passed away the next day. So yeah. within 30 days, we lost both of those guys. And now I'm still in Iraq. I'm far from my girlfriend, far from my family, far from support. And I'm 20, and I don't know how to deal with emotions and anger and that kind of thing. We still, I think this was end of April, beginning of June. We're there for a few more months. I'm getting a little bit more savage as we go, a little bit more angry as we go, a little less tolerant, a, little, a lot meaner. I don't give a fuck about your feelings or your emotions or anything like that because, and it really was, it's a, they talk about that uh, egomaniac with the inferiority complex, is I didn't want anyone else to see that I was struggling and I was sad and I was having nightmares, so I'm going to portray I'm bigger and better and stronger this was going to be bigger than what was going on in here and what was going on there. Yeah. Get back from Iraq, and it's, it's, it's on. I'm, I'm, I am drinking, like, everything. I'm 174 pounds. I dropped 20 pounds when I was there. I got dysentery. It was, I had dysentery and fleas my last month in there. Sweet. So I'm shitting myself with fleas all over me all the time. That's yeah. after your second shower. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I find, so I tell people all the time when they're talking about, oh, the bathroom was so gross, isn't it? So, yeah. we, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I kind of want to hear it. So we, stayed, shit. <laughs> we, we stayed in this, uh, so we bombed one of his, who's not, his, uh, Saddam, uh, Hussein, Hussein, what's, Saddam Hussein. Saddam Hussein. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> airports in northern Iraq when we were on our way in, after we pushed everyone out, we moved in, fixed up the runway, and now it's ours. We're using it as our hospital and our rear area. And I remember coming in for my first shower after 37, 32 days, covered with blood. I'd been sewing up holes with dental floss because my uniform's falling apart. And there's guys in air-conditioned tents playing Nintendo, and they're eating hot meals. And I'm like, you motherfuckers. You don't need, we're not even <laughs> in the same military. Yeah, like, right. how is this going on? Yeah. So they decided that it wasn't my fault, but all of it. They put the scouts kind of over by ourselves because we couldn't play well with others. Fucking mongoloids. <laughs> yeah. Savages. <laughs> so they built us a shitter. They, all they did was they built, they, they dug an eight foot, 10 foot hole in the ground, built a box with two by fours and plywood, you know, kind of reef builder kind of thing. Yeah. Cut, cut three holes in it with a skill I saw. And that's where you went to the bathroom. So you're literally, there's no walls, there's no nothing. Sweet. So our legs are touching. Nice. While we're going to the bathroom. Yeah. Always Three makes of me feel yeah. more comfortable. Oh, yeah. With the flies landing on your goods. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you're shaking them off. <laughs> and you got dysentery, so it just sounds like a girl peeing anyway. So it just, <laughs> it's, it's a rough way to be 20. Yeah. That's a lot for a 20-year-old kid. Yeah. So I get back. I'm having nightmares. My drinking's growing. I don't realize that the drinking is making the nightmares worse. And I'm... Um, I'm insecure because I don't know how to deal with these feelings of anger and sadness and frustration, and they're training you to be an animal. How am I supposed to? And then I'm thinking, I'm like, how do these guys come back from World War II and they 
the greatest generation ever. And they, and they can long have... long ride. Yeah. I'm like, how did they come back and be so successful? And I had two incidents and only one that I was a part of. And, I, and I, I'm angst. I'm, I'm entirely angst the whole time. And I'm sitting there. I'm, and day, before we got back, I'm, there's days where I'm, I'm sights on. I'm irons on a guy just for hours, just waiting for someone to say, go ahead, take it. And I, it's all I wanted. I just wanted to kill somebody. And not that it would make the pain go away, but I was vengeful at the time. That's what you were there for. Yeah. So we get back, trying to play well with others. We're not. When you get back. Uh, I'm in Italy. To Italy, okay. Yeah. So our whole, they give our battalion block leave. So they send the whole battalion, can go home on leave. I had about six of my friends and I. Oh, that's a great idea. Six of my <laughs> friends and I decide that we're not going to go. We want to go home for Christmas. So we stay back at the barracks and we do our thing and we get four-day weekends and we go to this town called Remini on the Adriatic just north of, or just south of Venice and just party every weekend and run amok and get in fights and get in trouble. And that pretty, pretty much progresses on and on and on and on until February of the year, episode 92, I get shipped back to Fort Bragg. And the whole time I'm trying to get to a Ranger Battalion, either get to a Ranger Battalion or get up to Fort Ord, New York, or Fort Drum, New York, because I want to be closer to my girlfriend. Meanwhile, she doesn't know. She knows the high school. Nice kid. I went class friendliest in high school. Yeah. And now that, I'm turning. That's it you on? Yeah. That was, oh, oh and best dressed. Don't forget that, <laughs> oh, obviously. <stop. laughs> that's for real? Oh, for that's real, dude. Awesome. Oh, I got no shame, dude. I grew up in New England. Italian. Italian hey, you know, so I, I won it by default because it. They didn't have baggy jeans back then, and I had hockey legs, but I couldn't fit in any jeans, so I had to wear khakis all the time. <laughs> That's why you're best dressed. Yeah. Ass is too big. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I get back to Fort Bragg, and the drinking starts, and it's 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 on its way. And it's totally accepted, so it's not like you're like at, like yeah. out of the norm, like Friday, whatever. Like you know, when you're done working, what are we do? We're gonna get fucked up, getting a fight. Cases of Bush. Light at the at the uh, PX were eight dollars and twenty five cents. Cases of Bud Light bottles were nine dollars and ten cents. And I'm, I lie. <laughs> I go so before we go back, I go to the uh, the military office, tell them I lose my ID because when I get back, it was, it was two months before I turned twenty one. So I told them I lost my ID. They don't check any of my paperwork, and I just changed my birthday. Awesome. So I so when I get back, I have a a, a yeah, military you, ID you that says I'm twenty one. Yeah. So. And when I get to Fort Bragg in North Carolina, I have one of my friends from home is actually going to Methodist University right in Fayetteville. Um, so I'm getting to hang out with college kids and stuff like that. And it was good. My career went pretty good there. I'm off the chains nuts at this point. Um, still trying to figure out my path kind of deal. We get close to the end, and uh, I'm playing hockey for Fort Bragg. So I'm getting to travel around and go play. I'm doing my training during the week, and then I get to go play hockey during the weekends and stuff. And um, they decide they're not going to send me to the E5 board to be a sergeant because I'm playing hockey and I'm going away on the weekends. They're like, hey, your job is shooting rifles, not hockey pucks. I'm like, well, my job now is getting out. So I put in my paperwork for uh, educational early out because I'm supposed to be. Because my recruiter was so cool, instead of just the four years, he signed me up for four years, 17 weeks. So it would cover all my training so they can get a full four years out of me. Wow. Yeah. So I get out of the There's army. some bonus tied to that. Oh, right? yeah. 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 You know he was eating steaks and shrimp. Yeah, we go, this is jackass. Yeah. Um, I get out. I go to Eastern Connecticut State University, and I'm a big fish in a small pool. I'm a 22-year-old war veteran. I'm at freshman orientation. Yeah. And they're throwing a tennis ball back and forth. And I'm, Sal, Amy, Adam. 
Get I'm like, fucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's take that tennis ball, shove it up your ass. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and it, 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 I mean, you have a, I'm in the military for four years and they're teaching you how to be an animal. I got a two year, I had a two hour class on how to be a civilian on my, on my way out the door. So you train this for better, lack of a better term, a pit bull, and then just let them out in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So I'm running amok and I'm fighting and drinking and I've lost myself pretty much. Um, my drinking starts getting bad and I'm going from Thursday through Sunday to Wednesday through Sunday to Tuesday nights to missing every Thursday class for four months because I went to nickel night at UConn the night before. Somehow and spent thirty dollars at nickel night at UConn. <laughs> it wasn't all on me. You feel a big baller, you know. I got around. I got this round. You know. Um, I bet you're fun to drink with, though. It was a it was an experience. <laughs> yeah, I bet you as, as as uh, as I tell people, the the great elixir was uh, for my clothes was alcohol because there's a lot of times yeah. I was just standing naked in the middle of a bar playing foosball. I was just or thinking just too. <laughs> I'm like, you're probably like Frank the Tank. Oh uh, yeah, drink your green hat. Yeah. We're going uh, yeah. drinking. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> jumping off the dorm roof, three uh, yeah. stories into snow piles, and people are like just sitting there studying. And all of a sudden, I'm flying by the window. What's Adam what the do hell? That? Yeah. That's what I mean by fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was an experience. Um, but I've lost myself. I'm broken up with a girlfriend. I'm missing my, my family's birthdays. I'm kind of separating from everything that means something. Um, my friends in college were calling me the man-eating teddy bear because when I was sober during the day, and we'd talk, and I'd be careful and kind, and I was still a nut. But I cared about people, and then as soon as you put me in a bar and you mess with one of my friends or you did something, I was like, all right, let's go. And I was... Wherever I could get in a fight, I was getting in a fight. And not like I was super tough. And I got I lost fights, but I well, won more than I lost. But well, I we're was gonna a, fight. Yeah, but either <laughs> yeah, way, we're fighting. Yeah, whatever the outcome is. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna remember me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm now. I think I'm a five year sophomore at this point. <laughs> I'm about 27 years old, and uh, oh, I got a I got a DUI my last month in the army. On base. Uh, off base. Okay. Um, so civilian cops. Civilian cops. They find me passed out in a car. I got the car off. I think I'm I'm trying to meet a girl or something at two o'clock in the morning. I don't remember. I got Saint Ides and OE bottles in the back <laughs> of my car. <laughs> I, was a, I was a high quality drug. Yeah. Um, and they're like, apparently he said, "Hey, don't drive. Get a ride home." And I only live like a half mile away, and I. You know, because I'm really smart. I c- apparently watched him drive that way and turned on the ignition and then started driving the other way. He turned right around, pulled me over in my driveway. Obviously, I failed my DUI test. And in case you're ever arrested in North Carolina, don't ever thread the needle with the cuffs. Because <laughs> I'm sitting there, and I threaded the needle, and I came up, and I was scratching my head, and I looked up in the mirror, and he saw me. <laughs> Not happy, huh? No, no, no. So I, t- I tasted the pain of the car for a little while. <laughs> got arrested, so I'm like, all right, well, I got to get out now. If the military finds out about this, I'm going to get in trouble with them, too. It's like a month before I get out, maybe two months, so I'm gone. And that punishment's even worse. Yeah. So, you know, because I'm a brilliant mindsmith at the time, I'm like, well, if I just ignore it, it'll go away, you know, like a lot of our patients. Yeah. Yeah, if I don't take care of this me- he- yeah. medical issue, it'll just disappear. Um, so get to college. Five-year sophomore, talking to this girl, 
at the bar. I know her boyfriend. We're all in the same kind of group of friends. I go to the bar to get um, us a couple of drinks. I come back, and he's arguing with her and punches her right in the face. Right in front of, like, from me to Jesus. the wall away. Wow. So I, I smoke him pretty good. Bouncer comes up, grabs me there by the armpit, and he's built like kind of like Dave Ewan, but a little bit thicker. That's pretty thick. Yeah. And he's carrying me out. I'm 195. He's carrying me out by my <laughs> armpits. And I it took me 75 feet before I realized my feet weren't touching the ground. <laughs> and I'm like this. And all of a sudden I go, holy shit, dude, you're really strong. This is yeah. impressive. <laughs> <laughs> I feel really safe yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he goes, uh, he just starts giggling. I'm like, hey, man, I'm sorry. I said, I know I shouldn't have gotten a fight in here. And I people had known me in town. They kind of knew who I was because I was already doing what I was doing. And he was like, hey, man, I get it. I saw what happened. He goes, once that guy takes off, we'll let you back in. And So I'm standing outside with one of my buddies, and him and I are laughing. And that kid comes out, and he takes a swing at me, coming out the door, rips my necklace, and, you know, because of my tying. So, gold of course, chain. I got a gold chain on. Yeah. yeah. Gold, gold, Italian horn. <laughs> yeah, my horn falls on the ground, so now I'm pissed. <laughs> or, or uh, what's the other one? St. Tim? No, uh, with, uh, God damn it, the protector, the one Saint Saint Anthony. Yes, there's one. Saint Michael. Wearing that, damn it. Yeah, my horn hits the ground, so now it's on. <laughs> Mr. T starter kid. So he's uh-huh. chirping at me. Everyone's holding me. He's I'm gonna kill you. This and the other. And so the chivalrous act ended in the bar. My pride and ego is everything after. So I go back in the bar. I fuel the fire for a little while. My buddy and I convinced these three girls to drive us over to their house, that kid's house. And we had been there on parties before. And, you know, in college, you just kind of knock on the door and walk in. And it's, yeah. it's what everyone does at each other's houses. I don't think I knocked. But I opened the door. He's standing in his family room. And I, I let him. <laughs> he, uh, he's not feeling good when I leave. Mm-hmm. And I still remember my buddy going, hit him in the body so it doesn't show. <laughs> it's like the town. I love it. Yeah. So <laughs> now I got a warrant out for my arrest. I hide out, hide out, because I don't want to get arrested before spring break. So yeah. hide out, hide that's, that's out, go on spring thinking. break, come back. Like four days later, I get arrested. And now I'm up for uh, 20 years in prison. I get third degree burglary and second degree assault, both felony charges. Burglary, not because I broke into steel stuff, but I broke into the house with the intent to injure. Yeah. So I'm 27 years old. I'm a drunk. My driver's license suspended from North Carolina, facing 20 years in prison. Um, You're winning. Yeah, I'm yeah. top of the world. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I mean, I got nowhere to go but up. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. To so now at. I got to move back home with my mom and dad. I got to drop out of school. And, not like, and you could see my semesters when I was drinking really a lot or I was halfway decent and I would go from a, like a 1.2 to a 3.6 and then the next semester I have a 1.4 and then I'd have like a, a 3.8 it was like and that was all the flux of my drinking I get home I'm a mess I don't know what to do hire a lawyer um, because my dad was an ATF agent and he had Cop friends and lawyer friends and judge friends, they all wrote, they didn't get me out of jail, but they all wrote these letters of recommendation. So I got granted this program called AR, the Accelerated Rehabilitation, which is kind of your get out of jail free card. So I had to pay for his hospital bills. I had to donate money to a local charity. I had to do community service. 
And if I stayed out of trouble for that two years, then everything is wiped off my record. That's a gift, dude. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, pretty that's a fucking golden ticket. Yeah, right incredible. I, I shit on it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wiped my ass with it later. <laughs> Naturally, but, yeah. <laughs> I mean, be, so I weaseled my way through the paying uh, money to a local charity because I had a, a friend of mine that worked for the Y, and she just wrote me receipts. I had another friend that worked somewhere else, so wrote off my hours. So I didn't even do my obligations. Yeah. I did pay for his hospital bills because there's no real way out of that one. <laughs> yeah, that one's kind of tough. And he wasn't, he wasn't that big. Well, the space was good. His ribs weren't good. <laughs> his ribs weren't, oh, yeah, yeah they were, he was fine after. He sounds pretty dramatic if you ask me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, Jesus. Yeah, he suck, milked it. Suck it up, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't have been punching girls. So, this is in November of 97. No, I don't know. I'm tw- still drinking. You're 27, you said? Um, 26, 27. You graduated high school so in 89. So, so yeah. it's... Almost, yeah. They say an alcoholic stops maturing at his first drink. So I would start drinking at 14. I'm now sense. 27. I'm at home, living with my mom and dad. No car, no driver's license, no job. I'm the same spot I was at 14 years old. Yeah, just right. down in the dumps, right? Like your self, like your self worth has just got to be the worst. So I'm still point. drinking on this probation. And I'm painting for a guy. My buddies are picking me up, and we're working, and I'm still being productive because I need to to pay off these bills. So October of the next year, so I'm like 10 months on the probation. I uh, I get a crash drinking, borrow my parents' car. I crash at like 4 o'clock in the morning on Route 91 right outside Hartford, going like 75 miles an hour into the back of another car. Oh, damn. They get out of the car, walking, talking. They're fine. As soon as they hear the sirens, they all jump back in the car, pretend like they're hurt. And so it just ups my... So I two hours after I get arrested, I blew a .235, .25. An hour later, I blew like a .2. Or a point two two or something like that. So I dropped significantly in an hour. So from that too, I must have still. Been, those numbers are incredible. Yeah, I I had to be in that three range. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming when I first crashed because I started drinking at eleven in the morning and I didn't crash till like three or four the next morning. And drinking was, white Zinfandel because they ran out of time. I still like you, dude. <laughs> I, yeah, hey, so dude, that was the only time I ever drank <laughs> wine in my life. That was the only last time. <laughs> I was really starting to like you. They said that. <laughs> I was drinking beer and shots all night long, and I was with the, these girls' house. And they ran out of beer, and I'm like, oh, what's, uh, what's left? That's acceptable. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's in the house. Right, uh, right, yeah, yeah. That, was, that was it. I drank hot beer out of a trunk once. Mm. Was mm. any of this stuff you think fueled from like um, your time spent in Iraq? Like, yes. W- w- were you having nightmares? Yes. You, all that stuff's kind of feeding this. Yeah. Everything. No, no, you're not talking to anybody. No you're one. not part of any type no of one. help. Nope. And it, it wasn't as. Accepted wasn't as pushed on. For we sure. didn't have yeah. this like happening. They didn't even talk about PTSD when I got out in 1980. That wasn't so. I, I, and, and I just know from doing some stuff with Dave Kirk and a couple other guys. Yeah. Is now there's a whole transition program yeah. when you're leaving. Yeah. He said, uh, "Yeah, like 30 days of just transitioning from a from the military life to civilian yeah, life and all the hours. stuff you go in." And <laughs> yeah, it's definitely changed. Long. That's pretty. Pretty incredible. There was a couple other days, but nothing that went to mental health. It went to like how to get a job, how to balance your checkbook. Yeah, yeah. That kind of stuff. Not how to get rid of the nightmares and how yeah. were, were your were the nightmares weekly, daily, you know? 
a couple times a week. I say probably depend mm-hmm. on the level of drinking too, right? To the point where I woke up one time with my girlfriend crying, and I had her fish hooked, one in the side of her mouth, the other one in the corner of her eye Ooh. in bed. Wow. Woke up the next morning, and she was like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah. She goes, you punched yourself in the face so hard last night in a dream. Like, literally just as hard as I could right in the face while I was sleeping and went back to sleep. Like, wow. Like, angry. Yeah, see, angry at myself because I couldn't cope with real things. Tried to escape through alcohol, which only made everything worse. So really, like, essentially, like you're talking about the dream, it's really you're self-medicating for PTSD, whatever shit that you fucked up back in here, the hockey stuff, like all that stuff's just compounding, right? Exactly. Just stacking, exactly. stacking, stacking, exactly. stacking, stacking, stacking. Thinking that it's going to make it go away, yeah. but you wake up the morning and it's still all right there. Yeah. You're just not dealing with it. Yeah. Right. So now, because I'm still on probation... I get, the, I get this crash. I'm going to jail for a, re- a year and a half. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Because I'm on probation. I didn't comply. And now I'm, I'm, if I thought I was bad before, I'm desperate. I'm in this my room in my parents' house for two days, like just crying and not trying to figure out what I'm going to do, how I'm going to do it. My best friend comes over and sees me. He's like, hey, man, we'll make it through this kind of deal. You're thinking about punching your ticket at that time? I, I was too big of a pussy. Okay. But those thoughts ever enter? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. I, I, but I could never get myself to do it, and I don't know why. Never attempted, never thought of it to the extent. Um, Planning or So either. rather than punching my own ticket, I wanted my ticket punched for me. Okay. So I lived a life that if I died, I didn't care. Yeah, please somebody do it for me. I mean, I jumped off the bridge, off the, the Memorial Bridge going over the Connecticut River. How tall? Uh, about 50, 60 feet, but at 2.30 in the morning, pitch black. And as I was swimming out, the water where the, because uh, it was a uh, arch-shaped mm-hmm. bridge, the water was only knee-deep, thigh-deep. Oh, shit. So if I was 15 feet over to the right or left, yeah, stupid stuff like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean jumping off the freaking dorm rooms <laughs> were at the start to sing in the world. You're trying, but you weren't <laughs> trying. Yeah. If it happened yeah. by this, you know, whatever courageous, cool, exciting thing I was doing, then... So gotcha. be it. Gotcha. Um, so my lawyer, same lawyer, recommends this place called High Watch Farm, which is a, a rehab place in Kent, Connecticut, in the northwest corner of Connecticut. And if you know anything about AA, Dr. Bill, or Bill and Dr. Bob are the creators of AA, Bill W. and Dr. Bob. Um, Bill W. created this place in like the 1930s or something like that, a long time ago. I went up there and... At first, I asked my parents if I could just go to a psychologist because I wanted to be crazy and not an alcoholic. <laughs> and that was my mindset. I'm, I, and I told them, I go, I think I'm just crazy. I don't, I don't know what to do. I can't get all the thoughts out of my head. I can't get the anger, the sadness, the everything out of my head. I don't think I have an alcohol problem. I think it's just my head. But the, my lawyer was like, hey, just go to this place. It'll look really good for the judge. Didn't go there to get sober. Didn't go there to get... Anything but uh, uh, a nice job. Do you think your lawyer knew that that he was just kind of painting it that way for you? He probably knew I had a problem. Like saying, like, just like, oh, yeah, just go there for the judge. But really, he knew, like, he actually gave a shit enough to be like, hey, dude, I'm going to try and get this guy to go to fucking rehab without him kind of knowing. I, I'd like to say yes. Yeah. And it's funny because after I got promoted, I called him. Oh, nice. I hadn't, I hadn't talked to him. So I got sober in 1998. I got promoted in 2016, something like five years ago. And I called him the day after I got promoted. 
Right on. And I was like, hey, I just I know you probably don't see a lot of success stories being a defense lawyer, but I want you to know. I get myself. I like you. It's all right. I want you to know I didn't let you down. You know, that I I I became something. I got I got a wife. I got two good boys. I'm a captain on the Phoenix Fire Department. I've been on for at that time uh, 13 years, yeah. 14 years. Um, I wanted you to know it, it it didn't go wasted. He was like, oh man, this is the best phone call I've had in a long time. That's fucking awesome. That is dude. badass. He goes, awesome. he goes <laughs> for you and him. Yeah. yeah, and we don't do that as grownups, as men. Yeah. We don't say thank you. We don't compliment other men. We don't open ourselves vulnerability-wise. For sure. Some of us do. We've gotten better at it. Yeah. But majority of don't. So to be able to just say thank you and just... And he goes, he goes, I still remember this day, you and your dad waiting outside the courtroom, and I'm running like 15 minutes late, and I look out the window to tell you I'll be right there. And as I'm looking at you, I ran into the car in front of you. <laughs> in front of it. Oh. And you and your dad standing on the sidewalk laughing your asses off. <laughs> what, else, what else would you do? He starts laughing. <laughs> Someone does something stupid. You oh, dude, laugh it was amazing. So I get up to this place, High Watch. I check in. The first morning there. How long of a program? Sorry. This is two-week minimum. Um, first morning there, we go have breakfast. We come back. We're doing our morning readings and introducing ourselves and this, that, and the other. And this guy goes, uh, like, there's this fucking tennis ball again. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm pissed. Yeah. I'm fucking angry, pissed, sad. I got emotions boiling up. And this guy was like, hey, well, I'm like, hey, my name's Adam. I, I just want to listen today. And a guy tried to press me. He's like, no, well, hey, man, you're here. Just tell us what. I'm like, the first thing in my head, I was like, fuck you. You're first, motherfucker. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, right. I'm like, I'm going to fucking find that dude after lunch. I'm going to whoop his ass. <laughs> um, so I think this is Sunday morning, whenever. Tuesday night, they have an open meeting. And in their meeting hall was a big old barn. And people from all around would come to this meeting. And so there's a couple hundred people that would come into the speaker meeting. And I heard a guy tell my story and he was a hockey player he went in the military started drinking young screwed up his hockey career screwed up his military career but he was telling his whole story through a voice box because he had crushed his throat in an in an accident and they had to trach him and i started crying that night and i don't think i stopped for an hour and a half like i I don't remember the last time I cried before that. I didn't cry in Iraq when we got blown up. I didn't cry at any. Yeah. But I think I probably had a couple late night drunk cries when you know <laughs> my yeah. emotions were yeah. all over those the place. Those don't count. Those yeah. Are, yeah those but I count. think it went from straight from crying to peeing my pants and passing out, so it wasn't really helpful. Um, and it opened up the floodgates. Lot to unpack, dude. So you Lots had no real honest intention of getting sober. Zero. None. And and. And then this guy And this guy like, tells this story. All right. So now I'm reading. Now I'm doing my daily meditation. And one of the gifts I got early in the program, which helped out a lot, is I, I started to see the signs. I started to see the things that were pointing me in the right direction. So a guy comes up. I'm in my second week or something. The leader of my house comes up. He goes, hey, do you think you could share your story today at the men's meeting? I'm like, I've been sober for like two weeks. I'm like... I what do I got to share? He goes, well, think about it. He goes, and, uh, and let me know later. So I go back, eat breakfast, come back. I'm doing my morning reading, and the, and the bottom thing says, uh, you, will, you will share your thoughts today so others can get to know you better. 
I'm like, son of a bitch. Wow. <laughs> Who fucking slipped this page uh, in yeah. here? <laughs> Who put this page in my book? So, so backtrack two weeks. November 13th, I crash on October 30th. November 13th, I've been drank for two weeks. Um, I go to New York City with my, my best friend to go see the Rangers, uh, Bruin, Rangers Bruins game. It was my gift. I was his best man, so we went there together. Hadn't drank. Get to the garden. Stale garden beer. I smell it and it smells awful. I take a drink and I'm off to the races again. Oh, man. So this is before I check in the rehab. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I had drank and I'm like, I'm not going to drink anymore. But as soon as I taste it, I'm off. Next thing you know, fast forward six hours later, I'm in a diner in, in Hoboken about to kick this dude's ass over a, uh, over a table at three o'clock in the morning because he tried to steal our table. <laughs> yeah. Real great. You'll like this one because he, he got up from the table and he was like six foot five. And he, you know, like in the movies when they yeah, stand yeah. up and come yeah. over the top yeah. of you, all tall. Yeah. And I go, Teddy, he's tall. He's <laughs> tall, Teddy. What do I do? <laughs> Tell you, you've been fun. I go, How about this, buddy? You and I go outside. All our friends stand. Whoever comes back in gets the table. It's easy. That's a fair deal. Easy. Yeah. And it, the, the, the trump card was played and yeah, then the like, cops were there. I go. During that night, I told my friends, I feel lost. I just feel like I'm, I'm constantly hitting bottom. I'm constantly getting beat up, and I don't know my way out of it. And no fault of their own because they love me and they want to support me. They were like, hey, man, you're just having a bad, bad luck, bad, bad streak, not knowing everything that was going on in here, going on in things. So I finally get to rehab, and I hear this person tell my story, and finally somebody is speaking my language. Yeah. My friends did not, not love me. They just didn't understand what I was they're going They're friends. Through. They're not professionals. They're not any of uh, They're not alcoholics. Yeah, right. Yeah. They're right. not lost. Yep. Their careers are going off. Yep. Oh, people have told me some stories sometimes. I'm like, I can sit here and listen to this story, but I am not equipped to fucking to have this conversation with yeah, you. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. I need, like, I have contacts for you, you to talk to, but I'm like, I'll listen to you, man, but this is, like, I'm going to yeah. fuck this up. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough. Um, so I'm reading, and I'm getting better. And I'm feeling better. And I'm listening. And I listen to this other woman speak a couple of weeks later. And, then, and for the first year, I think she was the one that kept me sober for that first year. Because during her sobriety, both her husband and her son had killed herself, killed themselves during wow. her sobriety. And she never drank. Wow. So the whole time, the whole time I'm out in that first year, I'm like, how could I slap her in the face? Yeah. How could I cry over not getting a job and go drink or do this? And... She has gone through so much. Yeah, I get out of rehab. I get home, and I'm I'm alive now. My uncle, my mom's cousin, he was like, "You look so good, man." He goes, "You finally got that glisten back in your eye. You were kind of gray before." I'm like, "Gray? Look, you talking about gray?" He the goes, uh, were shitty. "I'm like, why did I'm back. like, why didn't you tell me?" He goes, "You wouldn't have listened." Yeah, true statement. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So things start going right. I get a job. I get 30 days. I do everything wrong in sobriety except. And still to this day with 20-something years of sobriety, I still do everything wrong but drink. Like, I don't have a sponsor. I don't go to meetings all the time. I still read. I still pray. Um, I still stay Is there calm. a right, though? Yeah. Adam, yeah just I mean, don't drink. I mean, you know better than me, way better than me. But is there, is there really a right way to do it I think as so. long as you're not drinking? Exactly. And I tell it every time I get a chip or I speak at a meeting, I've done a lot of things wrong in sobriety. The one thing I've ever done perfect in my life is I haven't drank since I stopped drinking. I never relapsed. I was fortunate enough that November 16th, 1998, I, I had one beer and smoked a joint on the 15th. 16th, I was sober, and I haven't had anything ever since. Badass. Um, 
So things are starting to go right, but I still got this court case hanging over my head. <laughs> Six months, and we're trying to get continuances to, so I can get off probation. I'm in that last 10 months, and if I can get off oh. probation, then I'm not going to jail. <laughs> the, uh, the head of the, the law office that my lawyer works for, the owner of the practice, embezzles like half a million dollars and goes to Cancun and disappears. Oh, wow. Damn. So every time we go to court, my lawyer asks for continuances. They know what law office. He was like, I'm really sorry. He goes, uh, but we're a mess. We can't figure out where anything is. He did. All right. Give you another 30 days. Give you another 60 days. Not knowing until that day, it didn't click because, and I'm still sober. I'm still doing the right steps. I get my driver's license back. I buy my first car i buy a uh fifteen hundred dollars for a a ford ranger pickup truck this is a truck yeah yeah and it 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 was it was my uh i call it my humbler because every (laughs) every time i would get pissed and want to chase somebody down the road it was only a four cylinder cylinder. (laughs) (laughs) it would just be like fuck you dude you're not chasing anybody and then i would just giggle and be like i guess this is god's way and uh, you know people are scared of god the word Uh, god i said higher power for years and years or however you want to look at it but i'm like my higher power is like no you're not catching anybody unless there's a 78 year old lady in in a a scooter you ain't catching shit you're not smart enough yet so this is what i'm gonna hook you up with exactly (laughs) My year of sobriety and the day I got off probation was the exact same day. Oh, no shit. So November 16th, 1999. I don't think there's any coincidences in life. I just don't think there is, man. When shit like that happens, the universe is telling you something. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. I get a court date right after that, like two weeks after. They grant me an alcohol education program. Ten weeks long. I got to pay like seven hundred. So now I finish that. I get all done. I don't have anything on my record. Fuck. And I, I don't know. I probably never told you, but that was the scariest <laughs> part of my hiring process. Yeah, I right. knew I could do all the other stuff, yeah, but the yeah. background check, I'm like, oh, I might be fucked. Ah, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> I just told the story the other day. So my first year, I'm flying back and Bite forth. Bite my thing. tongue right now. <laughs> Bite my tongue right now. First year, I'm flying back and forth from Connecticut for the test. I don't get hired because I still have East Coast cocky in me, and my closing statement wasn't Why, why Phoenix? Like, why did you, like, where, where did Phoenix? Yeah, where did that around? come from? Yeah. So I tested for Hartford in New York City. Um... And at the time when I took New York, there's 9,000 people took the right, test. Yeah. So that's a five-year list. Um, so I'm waiting. And I was going to look at Phoenix, Seattle, San Francisco, Denver. I just want, I wanted a change. You're picking been, big places then. Uh, yeah, I wanted okay. cities. Phoenix had a really good reputation. My sister was living in Ahwatukee with her new husband. All okay. white Moved here from New Hampshire. All white Tukey. First day I get here, visit her with my parents. I'm flying back and forth. I think I'm picking up the, the bibliography or something. A hang glider comes over the top of me from South Mountain <laughs> on a Wednesday afternoon at 4.30, and I'm like, I'm in. I'm like, these people hang glide? Yeah. In the middle of it, I've never wow. seen a hang glider, yeah. let alone 4.30 on a Wednesday. I'm like, this place must be amazing. <laughs> so I get off probation. I start testing. Um, I don't remember where I was going with that. Uh, you're testing Connecticut coming out. I here. start painting yeah. houses. Yeah. I mean, every little step is starting to go in the right direction. I'm paying restitution. I'm getting my license back. I'm get, I'm still living. My, I finally get an apartment. Um, you're grown up now. I'm getting to be a grown up. <laughs> you're grown I'm not up. peeing the bed. <laughs> yeah. I know where I am. I start realizing that uh, the immediate satisfaction doesn't lead to ultimate happiness. So I start cutting out some of those 
extemporaneous things in my life that aren't really fulfilling me except for that time period. Um, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm just going to go for it. I come back out, out here. I don't get hired after my, my, on my first test. After first, so no. How long was your first interview? I went the whole time. You were 20 but, minutes so, so I didn't know anything about how the system worked. I met Dan Gross. I used to work at Mountainside Fitness on 32nd and Channel. Oh, Grover. So I met Grover, met okay. Jeff Case, uh, met Scott Woodford. And those guys are like, hey, man, come see me. And Grover's like, hey, dude, come see me. And he's still on the rest. You met a lot of tall guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I Woodford. <laughs> yeah, Woody's tall. So uh, Danny's like, hey, uh, come see me. He's still on rescue, I think, 31 or something like that. Mm. And I go up to ride, my first ride along ever. Don't know anything about the fire department. Don't know the etiquette. Don't know anything. Zero. Um, and it was Ernie Lazarga's first shift back after tearing his bicep. Savage. Oh, okay. Ernie's yeah. a savage, yeah. dude. So... I'm meeting these people. I'm like, these are my kind of people. Like, I, I have an interview the next day, and my East Coast confidence came across as East Coast cocky. Oh, <laughs> so I finished the interview. I think I do all right. And they're like, do you have any closing comments? And I'm like, yeah, well, I want to thank you a lot for the opportunity to be here. I really appreciate it. I, uh, I'm looking forward to working with all of you in the future, and I'm ready to go. I'm ready right now. Yeah. Where's the I'm contract? Like, put, I go, put me in the academy tomorrow. I'll finish top five hand down. <laughs> burr, burr, burr. Yeah. You're going to A-shift, son. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I was trying to sound confident, not realizing that I sounded like a douche. Yeah. But. I'd have liked it. Or that, we're, sen- like, or that we're sensitive. Yeah. 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 I'd have liked it. I'd be hey. like, I like this motherfucker. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. By, by the way. He's I, getting a second hey, for sure. <laughs> I was a recruiter class, by the way. So yeah, I, I wasn't I'm fucking full of shit. <laughs> no, he, he held up his end. Yeah, I, yeah, I've been, yeah, I've been like, I like this motherfucker. Let's, <laughs> let's see what he can do. Um, so I'm here. I I, get, I meet my wife uh, two months before the academy. Um, so this is the first time they said no. So you can't came year. back a second oh, time. So yeah. second year. No, I'm, wor- I'm working three jobs. I'm working at Home Depot at night. I'm so you're all, living here. I'm living here. Why are you so <laughs> fucking lazy, dude? I'm I'm working at Home Depot <laughs> from nine thirty at night till five in the morning. Oh, throwing freight. Just loading shelves. Yeah, throwing freight. Yeah. yeah. And then I would go from there three days a week. I would go to Mountainside Fitness and work at the gym from 5.30 to 9.30. And then I would sleep and study, do my EMT class at right. night and stuff like that. And, and then I was selling motorcycles at Town & Country. Really? On Arizona Ave. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. So another sign that the things are clicking and I'm getting there. Uh, a lady's in there trying to buy a, a motorcycle for her husband for Christmas. And she asked me, she goes, uh, can you negotiate on motorcycles like you can for a car? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm lying to you right now. And I yeah. 100% lied to her yeah. and was sick to my stomach the whole rest of the night. The next day, I went and put in my two weeks. I'm like, I can't do this. I can't lie to people to make a buck. I'm like, this is not who I am. I don't yeah. want to be that wow. guy. Wow. So I leave the job. And so now I'm just painting the houses. I work at uh, Mountainside here and there. I go to take the PD test. Because uh, you make a horrible cough. Oh, I know. Phoenix PD, PD? Phoenix yeah. PD test. And back when they used to get people to take the test. Yeah. So I walk in this room and there's hundreds of people in there. Not as big as a fire, but there's hundreds of people in there. And uh, they start going through all the parameters. They're like, hey, you're gonna be plus 18, valid driver's license, not arrested. convicted, of, <laughs> not convicted of a felony. So I'm good. Good. 
Haven't tried marijuana more than five times or any other illicit drugs. And I'll I'm be looking around. And I look, <laughs> I look around, and everyone's sitting there, and I stand up. I go, well, good luck, guys. And I <laughs> walk out of the room. <laughs> and I'm the only one that walks out of the And I'm on the far side because I always get places early. Oh, so I got to walk by all these people and walk out the door. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, uh, filled that one. Uh, we'll see you guys on the far side. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So uh, I ended up getting hired the next year. Uh, that was uh, my academy started in April of '03. I met my wife in February of '03. We lived in the same apartment complexes. We moved in the same week a year earlier. Never oh, saw yeah, each other. Oh, you told me the story. Yeah, she's from New Jersey. We grew up two two hours away from each other, but she's nine years younger, so we wouldn't have known each other. Just look at you. Yeah, yeah, dude. I, I pay. I play way above my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> um. And honestly, we had our first date, and we've been together ever since. Um, You're about 30, 29? How old are you then? I turn, I turn 32 in the academy. Okay. Um, old fucker and recruit of the class. That's pretty good. I knew how to work. Yeah. Well, that was the biggest that thing. That helps. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I mean? That helps. I, I Big set of balls, and I knew how to work. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm How'd like, you fit your balls in the truck? I stuck them in my helmet. Okay, you perfect. Know, I carried them. <laughs> so when okay. it wasn't out, so so I, I put them on the seat next to you. Yeah, or I figured <laughs> out a way to wear my helmet like this. <laughs> I got two helmets. They said Billy gave me two. <laughs> um, things are going well in the fire department. Um, so now fast forward, keep going. I get I'm a firefighter in engine twenty two. Uh, rumor, uh, rumor was uh, that he might have been your RTO. Uh, I was just one of one them. Of them. Oh yeah, one D of them. Yeah. D Murphy was my engine. So, yeah. so now you got to shut up for a little bit. How was Kyle in, in the academy? It, um, Since it, his balls were so big it, and he can barely get him in the truck, it, it, uh, he is a genuine human being. How he presents is how he presents. Yeah, and that's how he went through the academy. But he did a fantastic job, and you, but you could tell he'd actually done grown up things in his life because. They, you know what what seems to other people to be adversity in the academy He's is not <laughs> adversity in you know in reality right. to people who've actually done real things. So it's yeah, it's pretty obvious, and and it's kind of always obvious when you're in the training academy. You can figure out who the grown ups actually are, right. and then who the people are that are doing a lot of stuff for the first time. Just. Life things for the first time. I, and, I wish you had a good story to tell about the academy. Nothing. So nothing? much like Adam, I, that's. It was 18 years ago. I don't remember what I had for lunch yesterday, <laughs> so I don't. I, I I might be able to come up with the recruits I was responsible for yeah. in that class. He just lies, but I don't. Uh, yeah, Dean Murphy likes to tell the one of. Uh, remember when? Uh, what the hell was his name? Came in uh, the last week and threw a red shirt on, and he was supposed to be a direct hire. Oh, Jameson. No, it was. Uh, what the hell was his name? And it was like the last day, and he sat in the back of the class with a red shirt on. He had his feet up on the desk, and he was acting. And Dean Murphy always likes to tell the story that I came out and threatened him <laughs> halfway through the class because he wanted to be in our video for burning oh. the red shirts. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who the fuck are you? Uh, uh, how's, uh, not Ozzy. Still on the job? Oh, God damn, I can't remember. Was it Gary House? Ha- it wasn't Gary, Gary House. House. Gary House. Dude, I do not remember that. And Dean and I came up. I'm like, oh, he, he's fine. Yeah, he was out of his and mind. And he's totally doing like the worst recruit ever. And he was supposed <laughs> to be a direct hire. For, and he's sitting with his feet up on the desk right. and he's talking in class. Well, he wants to throw his red shirt in that pile. And I pulled him over to the side. I go, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure there's some hijinks going on, and I don't really know. But you ain't throwing your shirt in that fire. 
He goes, what? He goes, why? I go, because you're not a part of us. Yeah, yeah. And I go, I don't know what's going on. You're not ruining. I go, I've been through a lot, and I've seen these guys have worked really hard for this, and you yeah. ain't fucking it up. Nice. I go, I like so it. you can make a decision what you want to do. <laughs> and Dean Murphy uh, and Chip Gleason are over there smiling like, oh, this is going to get stupid. Yeah. <laughs> either two things are going to happen. You're either not going to throw that shirt in there, or you're going to get fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> you choose. What are the other? Um, so life is good. I started having kids. Uh, my oldest is fifteen, going to be 15 in August. My youngest is going to be thir- just turned 13 in July. So comes 2009, I got six years on the job. I got good friends. Life is going good. Um, my kids are young, three and one at the time. Um, I get, I think it was a C-shift morning. Mom calls me at 7.30 in the morning. We live about three miles away from each other, four miles. She moved from Connecticut too, then. So oh, your folks there. moved out here my too. My folks are here. My sisters live in Maricopa with my brother-in-law. My brother's in Northern California. My mom and dad had moved here. My grandmother had come with them and passed away before she ever moved into the house. So this was in oh, 2002. Wow. But she was 86 years old. It was almost like she got here and saw that we were all together. She's like, I'm good. And yeah. she was like, All right, they're good. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm, I'm going to okay. go to sleep now. Yeah, you know, kind of deal. So it that was, it was good. That was fine. Um, mom calls me like 7.30 in the morning in tears. And she's like, I think your dad died. I need you. So I go to the house, and he's passed away. Chandler fires there. They're phenomenal. Um, start making the phone calls. And I mean, if you're going to pick away that way, I mean, I'm one of those idiots on the job that loves my wife and my kids. And, you know, yeah, so yeah. I know I'm with if, you. If you're going to go, I mean, he passed away. The Yankees that beat the Red Sox 22 to 9 <laughs> that night. <laughs> You are and, he, and, he, and he fell asleep <laughs> with his wife and passed away in his sleep with his wife of almost 45 years. I mean, you That's can't, yeah. not a bad yeah. way to go. No, I take it. So, obviously, it hurts. And that's the first time. So, this is 2009, I, is the first time in 11 years. I'm like, all right, I, I think I'm going to drink. And before that, there was always those romanticized times about drinking because I was like, ah, it'd be fun to have a beer on a Sunday afternoon and watch football with my friends. But the problem with me is I don't stop drinking. Yeah. No middle gear. Yeah. And it, as, as you're saying, no middle gear. So I, my, uh, I'm all over the place when I start. I apologize. No, you're good. But the night before my wedding and rehearsal dinner, my brother-in-law was like, hey, we got to do a shot. Now, he's just fresh out of college. He's young. I'm like... No nah, man, I don't like, drink. Are you fucking stupid? What's He's like, he knows I don't drink, but he doesn't know why. Oh, yeah, he yeah. doesn't get. He doesn't I haven't know told any them that. my story. Like, they just no know Frank I don't the Tank stories floating around. <laughs> with the brother oh, my in laws? Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> when we were pregnant with my kids, I was like, oh crap! Now your dad knows we have sex. <laughs> 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 so my brother in law is pressing me. Hey, we're gonna have a drink. I'm like, no nah, man, I don't drink. Come on, dude, we're gonna be family. Just do one shot with me. I'm like, no, I can't, dude. This isn't good. He goes, no, 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 no. And he, I go, fine. I go, let's go do it. I go, but when your sister calls you eight months from now and she can't find me and the bank account's empty, the car is wrecked and she has no idea where we are, tell me how fucking good this shot was. I go, because when I get going, I'm a freight train. I ain't stopping until I crash. Hey, dude, maybe we'll just get some water or soda. Or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, to fucking Diet Coke's all around. Yeah. 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 We're going to kill a rally. Yeah. Kill. Round the seltzer, please. <laughs> so I have that glimpse, and it's a short glimpse that I'm going to drink. And then it went right to my dad would be so pissed at me if I drank over him. Good. Because I would wake up the next day. He'd still be passed away. He'd still be dead. Yeah. And now I would have the guilt of not only ruining 11 years of sobriety, but 
my dad looking at me from heaven going, what the hell is wrong? Why would you do that? (laughs) And I looked at it as at that point in my life. So I was, I don't know, 39 years old or something like that. I got to live 39 years with a really good dad where other people could go 60 years with a crap dad or not knowing their dad or whatever it might be. Great attitude. So the perspective is where I've really gained over the year of the fire department and that thing. So in the same year, Two weeks later, my son gets a sinus infection that goes down into his lungs, and he starts satin. And we wake up, he throws up in his bed. I bring him in the shower, and he's <laughs> using oh, all the accessory muscles. Yeah. Chest is coming in. I call my mom. Now, she's got a friend in town. My dad's only been gone for two weeks. She's got a friend in town staying with her. I was like, I need you at the house. She comes over to watch our youngest one. My wife jumps in the backseat, and I'm hauling ass the Phoenix children, 100 you know, 95 miles an hour. In, that van doesn't go that fast. No, I had a... Uh, I had a <laughs> that minivan you no, drive. I, we had a, my wife's always had cool cars. Okay, I right. drive nerdy <laughs> shit. I had a Jeep before we had kids. <laughs> and then I just gradually went nerdier as we went. Um, and uh, I remember my wife going, because I was quiet. She's like, what aren't you telling me? I'm like, this probably wasn't a bad idea to call 911 on this one. And it's, it's nice when you can build that relationship with somebody that they trust in what you say because she never questioned me. She didn't go, wait, wait, wait. She went, okay, just drive safe. Get there. He's sitting at 81. They do like a triple freaking cocktail. They get it up. They get it down. He ends up in the hospital. So now I'm calling Caskey for now my second time in two weeks because I need an emergency leave again because my dad just died. Now my kid's in the hospital. So he gets better. So still emotional. All up and down. So December comes. My wife's turning 30. And I plan a weekend in uh, San Diego. I get a call on Tuesday night. Have you talked to Sean lately? I'm like, no, I haven't, I haven't talked to him the last couple of days. I'm getting Sean ready. Johnson? Yeah. And I don't know if you remember the funeral. I, I, I always called him Shen. Because I, I met Sean in the waiting room for our first interview oh okay you guys go and when i went to get up to go i was before him he goes hey don't forget to tell me you're a good dancer (laughs) (laughs) and i was walking out of the room i'm like this kid's never getting hired (laughs) i like this guy (laughs) um i'm like no i haven't seen him i said but i've been busy with stuff and i set up this whole weekend for my wife and i to go away my mom's supposed to watch my boys i'm at work thursday night my sister calls me. She's like, hey, we just had to bring mom in the hospital. She's got a spot on her stomach about the size of a baseball. And it's red and raised. So I think I, I can't remember if I went there that night and then went back to work. But the next morning I get there and that spot went from a baseball to all the way across her stomach. Raised, hot. Um, so my mom had gotten a hernia surgery like 10 years earlier, and that mesh that she had had been recalled, and no one told her. So it had a plastic uh, edge around it. It was supposed to help it adhere to the abdomen wall where it broke and sliced her bowels open. So she was literally leaking her shit inside of her. Sorry, feces. Yeah. No. (laughs) I think we said fuck about 12. Yeah, no, we have the E on this podcast (laughs) for explicit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best thing about my kids getting older. When I slip it out and everyone's (laughs) well, it's not as bad anymore. Yeah. I went the first 12 years without ever cursing in front of my kids. That's pretty good. That is good. Very seldom. Yeah, I can't Um, say that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, doctor comes in and he's like, listen, she's leaking inside. We got to give her 48 hours of antibiotics. 
just so she can get healthy enough so we can even try surgery. So as they're scheduling the surgery for Sunday morning, uh, Steve Bayless calls me, Josh McBurney calls me, Eric McBurney calls me, Scott Woodford calls me, and I'm getting all these phone calls, and I'm sitting there. Like, this ain't good. Yeah. yeah. I call Bayless back. He's like, hey, Sean just killed himself. So within that three months, I lost my dad, about to lose my mom. My son was in the hospital. My best friend on the job just killed himself. Find out an hour later, he's still on life support. He's just, so he's down in the hospital in Tucson. We know the story. Um, people don't know the story. They can ask me or I can go into it, but um, hangs himself. Yeah, it's really sad. Um, so he's brain dead. So I spend the day in the hospital. I go home. No, I spend all night in the hospital, sleeping on the little side chair. My wife comes to the hospital the next day. I think my mother-in-law comes into town at this point. My wife and I drive to Tucson, get there like 3 o'clock in the afternoon just so I can hold his hand and talk to him a little bit, turn around, drive him back up to the hospital. His parents called me, and they had pulled the plug. He was, he was brain dead. There was no electrical mo- movement or anything. So I have all this happen. And then what we always say always happened to me instead of around me. Mm-hmm. But it, it's part of who we are and part of your story and part of your sadness and part of the direction you go. So I'm, my head is sadness and horror. And I call my father-in-law. And uh, very spiritual, very, um, very God guy, but doesn't push religion mm-hmm. on you. Mm-hmm. So has a strong... God-fearing man. God-fearing man, but won't <laughs> sit there at the table and go, well, God says this and God yeah. says that. It's that. his belief, and yeah. he keeps it that way. Yeah. So I call him, and I'm like, hey, uh, is there a quota on personal growth in three months? Because I think I'm tapped. I think <laughs> I, 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 I reached that limit. Yeah, I don't know. I go, I know they say, you know, God gives you what you can handle. I go, I don't know if I can handle much more. Right. And I'm like, I don't know what to do, and I want to believe in heaven, and I do believe it on higher power, and, I, and I'm rambling a little bit so he starts to tell me his story and he said his dad was a real god-fearing guy or real religious and he was on his deathbed my father-in-law asked him like how did you always have such strong faith how did you believe in a higher power of god as as strongly as you did and he goes well it was because of you my father-in-law goes because of me he goes what do you mean he goes you were about seven or eight years old and we were walking through the backyard and it was at night and it was dark and you reached up and grabbed my hand. And I, I said, what's wrong? And you said, nothing. You just make me feel safe in the dark. He goes, that's the same way I feel about God. So now I'm driving down, going to my house, and I'm sobbing. I'm crying. I'm like, Jesus Christ. And I think if I get home, I start telling the wife the story to my wife. My wife starts crying. She goes, he never told me that story. <laughs> <laughs> Was it the time? Yeah. It wasn't the time. So, and it was, I think about it all the time. You know, it's what keeps us safe in the dark or whatever it might be. I think people show up in your life when, when you need them. And I, I think that's, uh, so the, the gifts I was thinking about, things about my life and, and where I am now. And I think the biggest gift was seeing the signs, perspective, and the people I've surrounded myself with and the people I've learned lessons from, good or bad. Mm-hmm. And I feel very fortunate with the people that I have in my life, you know, as far as being by my side or people that I could call 
some are different paths, some are still crazy, some are not so crazy, some are real religious, some are not religious, some are, but they all mean something and I learned something from all of them. Um, my wife has been rock solid. And it's funny when things are going good, you always feel like the shoe's gonna fall, right? Yeah, oftentimes I like, like I think I'm like, man, like almost like I need to pinch myself. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, like there's often days that I, you know, like that I go through the world and I'm like, I don't know how I got here and I don't know why I got here, but motherfucker, like, yeah, I like I gotta pinch myself. I, I used to be like that, but I don't have that fear that the, that the other shoe's gonna drop anymore. I don't have it too much, yeah. but every once in a while, and I, I think we've talked about. You got it a little I, experience with it though. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I so get it. it. And so in my sobriety, I've lost uh, three grandparents. My dad, my, uh, one of my best friends, killed himself. Um, stayed sober the whole time. Um, was able to. I've always had a strong foundation to stay close enough that when I needed to a meeting, I wasn't a stranger in those meetings. Um, I don't go to meetings all the time. I still talk to people about sobriety. I'm really open with my story compared to where I was. It's a fucking ago. great story, dude. I didn't yeah. think it was going to go this way. Like, I'm fucking, this is an amazing story. I love so it. After, and I don't know if you remember if you were still down the RTO, I used to speak at the academy for a couple you of years. You spoke to my class. Wasn't this fucking good? I can tell you that. <laughs> I don't think they gave you enough time. Yeah, and I was kind nervous. Of get into it. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I want to say, like, when you came to our class, you were probably only in there 30, 45 minutes, dude. Yeah, they kind of. But kinda, it's new. And they put me on a short leash, and I was on the rescue, I think. Gotcha. And, and I think one of the things was that they wanted someone. We're the same, right? Yeah. We're wearing yeah. the unit. And oh, yeah. As wonderful as Billy was, he wasn't a firefighter, so his story 100%. was different. Yep. So we have a hard time yeah. relating ourselves <laughs> he's to him. Billy. And yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wonderful man, but different. Loved to death. Yeah. yeah. So they wanted somebody a little bit more relatable, and Chip got me in there. And then after 2009, when everything went bad, I, I was be able to um, work a little bit with Carrie Ramella and Brian French with the, the mm-hmm. member services. And when we did, I think it was a safety stand down, I kind of outed myself to the whole fire department and I was at a 10, 15 minute video talking about a little bit about my story. Obviously yeah. not this much in depth. Or, this is going to help people. Or dude. so fucking yeah. scattered all over the place. Yeah, this is going to help people. And that's the biggest thing is like, I just want to be there and I want to be able to have conversations. I want to be able to have understanding of different people's plights and this, that, and the other. And, and I had a friend of mine, uh, we were hiking couple months ago and uh she's like i just i feel like i I, i'm just not where i need to be like i should have something more i should be doing something more and when she said it i'm like honestly i feel like i'm exactly where i'm supposed to be i get to coach what a cool thing to say yeah Yeah. and humbling i get to coach my boys in all their sports my kid's 15 years old and asked me to go mountain biking with him and his friends I go to bring them to the pool the other day, and they're like, you're staying, right? Like, to go jumping off the diving board, which my knees are like, <laughs> fuck off, ass, all by the time I was done. <laughs> 50 years old, I was, every time I hit the board, I was like, <laughs> don't let them see you cry. Um, but I get to coach youth football and be a part of people's lives. I get to be a part of the fire department and touch people's lives. I get to have grown-up conversations. I'm still a jackass. I mean, you can't go Aren't to we a, all. <laughs> you can't go to a, one of our trainings or meetings without me having some stupid comment or somebody saying, oh, if it's 69 degrees, and me going, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it really is a gift. And then I think I told you when we got back from Park City, we're standing in the kitchen, and my wife and I are talking, 
And I'm like, look what we've built. Look what we made. Because all this stuff in our life doesn't happen by accident, right? We have to create it. We have yeah, to work at it. We work for it. And they might look at, uh, if you look at my Instagram life, we're always traveling. We're always going. We're always trying to, but I drive a old ass van. Tactical I, vans, I like to call yeah. it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Dodge Caravan, Man right? band. Yeah, Dodge yeah. Caravan. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Dodge Caravan. Yeah. It's got stone go, though. Every time I see it, I just fucking laugh. Like, half the time, there's about nine motherfucking bikes on the thing. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like, I got I, linoleum in two of my bathrooms still in the upstairs. <laughs> Our furniture is still the particle board furniture that my wife bought after she got out of college. You got nine bikes, though. <laughs> but I got $10,000 worth of bikes in my garage. Yeah. I got a home gym. I, got I would a, say your priorities are straight, my friend. priorities, bro. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. I just, your priorities are I'm rich in the things be. I want to be rich in. Yeah. Friendship and love and I don't need material crap. No, fuck no. You know, I, I, I'm comfortable having conversations with uncomfortable topics. You know, even last year when everything went down with the riots and things like that, I think that, in no way am I tooting my own horn, but the best thing I did for my own mental state was talk to people that weren't like me. Yeah. It's easy to get an opinion from some another white kid that grew up in Connecticut. And then at the time, I was still on engine 10, getting our asses kicked all day long. Tensions are always high. You're always stressed. You're running 4,000 calls a year all by yourself. And at first, you where dreams go to die. For sure. And Steve Selassic put it perfectly. He was like, he goes, you ever tell somebody a story from the fire department at a party, but they can't relate because they have no idea yeah. what the smell is, what the sound is, what yeah. the thing. He goes, no perspective. I don't even he goes, try. I have the same way when I talk to people about Black Lives Matter or they talk about different politics. I'm not walking in their shoes. I have no idea how they feel. Right. So to be able to have those conversations with different people that grew up in there, I sat I, for hours and talked to Mark Tucker. He grew up in South Central L.A. Yeah, good dude to talk to. And I grew up in freaking Suffield, Connecticut <laughs> with 15,000 people. You know what I mean? I mean, we sleep at our doors open not unlocked i mean open it didn't freaking matter you're not going to get your car stolen you're not going to i mean you might get in a fight or somebody might get in trouble for breaking a fence but besides so that's been a gift the perspective the conversations the understanding of where we are in life and what my wife and i created and i you know i waited 30 something years to meet her you know so i only wanted to do it once yeah that's that's a good thing to only do once for sure but yeah, but all that shit doesn't happen um, unless you kind of without the first step. Well, yeah. like just meet the right people, and you're in the right fucking place, and your fucking lawyer making you, you know, go there because he thought that it was gonna look good, like all that stuff, and and to be able to read the signs and uh, whether you call them angels or something else, but people come into your life, like I was saying, at certain times, and they they treat you a certain way or they say something to you that's always gonna stick, and that and those and and those people sometimes are coaches, sometimes they're lawyers, sometimes they're whatever, but but you were smart enough. To kind of pick up on it, because no, no, no one ever tells the other side of this story, right? The fucking dude that never comes back, that fucking drinks himself to death, that fuck fucks everything up. Like you're a success story. Like like you, like you're one of the fucking winners that the 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 that just took the steps. Maybe you didn't do anything uh, great, but you just kept fucking plugging along, right? And that's kind of how, in, in my opinion, that's kind of how life is. Like as long as you keep fucking punching at it. It's going to go down eventually. Yeah. But it's going to punch back, and sometimes it's going to kick you in the dick, and it's going to laugh at you, but you got to get back up, fucking do, do this shit again. But you're, you're a testament to, to definitely someone that, that is strong. Right? And it's not motivation. It's just straight-up self-discipline. And, and there's two things. There's that fall down seven, get up eight kind yeah. of deal. And I always, people are like, oh, you're so strong. And, it, it, and not to contradict what you're saying, and I appreciate yeah, the compliment. You are strong, man. 
but I always, it's funny because people are like, oh, you're so strong for being able to do this and stay sober for so long. And honestly, I, I'm, I feel like I'm too big of a pussy to go drink again because I don't know if I'm strong enough to go back into the rooms. No, and I, and I get that. And I'm too that. scared that I'm not strong enough to go back. I've said that before. I don't know if I could go to your side and make it back. Like, I, I don't know, like, like, I think that I could, but, you, but you're not going to know that until you fucking go to that side. Like, yeah. like you've gone to the dark side, dude, like, and then some. Like, you and the devil were hanging out drinking beers for, oh, yeah. High five it, <laughs> yeah, dude. for a long time. But yeah, You know, but, they got the ju- Jesus has got the wheel? Yeah. Yeah, no, was, yeah. yeah no, he me and Lucifer were riding, yeah. riding dirty. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, in a gremlin and just with to, flames on it. And just to come back from that, dude, like, that's, that's not fucking easy, like, at all. It, 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 it's funny what, when we talk about perspective and, and uh, Dustin Casey is my engineer and him and I are really good friends and we're able to have grown up conversations. We screw around a lot and we talk a lot of crap and then we're sitting, we work out together and we have conversations about stuff. And uh, when we talk about perspective, I remember buying our first home. We had a townhouse, but we bought our first and how emotional it was for me to have my own garage door opener. Yeah. I'm like, how? how I have a house. And it wasn't even that I had a pool or a three-bedroom house with two baths and a garage. I had a garage door open. It felt so grown up and accomplished. Like, and you look at so many people in the world and how little they have. Mm-hmm. I'm like, holy crap. How does this happen? My wife's looking at me like, I know, honey, it's a garage door open. I go, but it's my garage door open to my house. You fucking take this. Yeah. yeah. Punch you in the face. <laughs> no, I, dude, I get it. It's like. I grew up, you know, with humble beginnings and stuff like that. My mom passed away last week or whatever, and like some of the conversations we had, just sitting sitting with her, like 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 as we were passing, like we like we had not, we'd never had anything but a but a one bedroom apartment, and like you know, we talked about now where we're at. When I say we, it's because you know she's yeah. with me all the time. Absolutely. Without her, that shit just doesn't get accomplished, and it's like it's like what the fuck, man. Good thing I was proud she is of you too. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that's definitely something that, that I've taken taken away from all that stuff. But it's just like you know, as we like as as, as her and I talked about, it, I never kind of really told her where where I've been. Like she sees it, but you know she's. She just never saw that. So, so to have that conversation with her, it's just like, what the fuck, man? Like, it's a crazy life. It's a cool fucking life as long as you're willing to fucking fight for it, right? Yeah. Because you had to fight f- yeah. for it, dude. Like, I did. It wasn't, I'm, I mean, you didn't get into it, but I'm sure there's fucking nights where you're laying on the ground just fucking a shit show, fucking a total mess. Like, so once I opened up the, 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 the dam with my tears, I cried at everything. I can remember my parents going out for New Year's Eve. Now I get... <laughs> I got no job and I get home. So I get a job. I go get to bartender school after I get out of rehab. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, I'm like, I mean, that's a super great idea, dude. Yeah, that's a great idea. I got an idea. Where the fuck are your friends then? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, my parents are like, are you sure this is a good idea? And I'm like, no, I got it. Yeah. Because wow. I didn't want my life to change. I just wanted not to drink. Right. I still wanted. And, it and, wouldn't have changed. And, and there's points in your life where you miss the fucking lunacy. Yeah. You know, so you still want to be there, but more of a fly in the wall rather than in yeah. the middle of it. Watch it. So I'm like bartending at Christmas parties and stuff like that. And I'm like, I don't know. This is getting uncomfortable. And I start going out with the same friends. Yeah. And realize that these same friends, I remember getting in all these fights where I thought people were just messing with my friends. And come to find out my friends were messing with them. Yeah. And I, one of them literally said, well, dude, I don't care. Adam's here. I'll, get do, I'll do whatever the hell I want. Because they always knew. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, well, it was weird because I, I would figure every time you were right about to get into a fight, you were on your third or fourth rosary. Get, get ready to, yeah. <laughs> to keep praying for this shit. Yeah. I'm sure you're never doing anything yeah, wrong. I'd yeah, I'd take off the jacket, <laughs> pull off my snap-off pants. All right, boys, time to go. Um, so I had to start making those changes, you know what I mean? And then I was crying at everything, and I was sitting at my house when my parents went out for New Year's Eve. I'm living at home with mom and dad still. Things happening. And I'm watching Rudy on television. Great movie, dude. Uh-huh. But in tears. Like, I'm like, yeah. oh, that guy's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it is amazing. What, what, what kept you north? I mean, obviously, it sounds like your family kept you north. Like that, the, the old saying, the hang with the winners. Okay. I saw people having the things, not things, just living life living life that like i envi- wanted to like live. the environment and the the, the, the healthy environment yeah the intangible I things i didn't know the, the i didn't know the library was open on saturday mornings in college it is i had no idea until i got sober i never knew that either i there was <laughs> 8 a.m saturday morning meetings i'm like People get up on like Saturday mornings and go be productive. And oh, eight I, o'clock in the morning. And when I see I, you at the mountain at five a.m. Five now, yeah, now, right, yeah. yeah. Sure. So, and then I met a, a buddy of mine, born again Christian, still drinks a little bit, but he got me into mountain biking. Yep. And then we start hiking together. And they, the life I always pictured of the guy I wanted to be, I started finding personnel, people that were living that life. So I started kind of putting myself in those situations and working towards. And some things worked out, some things didn't. But like we talked before, it was like. The little changes. So we camp out on uh, Y2K in Connecticut. My buddy Keith, who's still struggling to this day, he was two years sober at the time, and now 21 years later, he's still in and out and in and out. And my friend Davey and I, we go and we camp out in Connecticut on New Year's Eve, and it's minus 13 degrees. (laughs) But we don't want to be around drunks, and we don't want to be around... You know, because everything's going to turn off and the power in the Russians. Are yeah, coming, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. The world of land. Yeah, exactly. Oh, this, this Shall is, we this, play this our game? This was at Y2K. It's Y2K. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Right. And I'm a year, uh, two years sober. No, a year and a half about that. So we camp out. Um, I borrow, I have no camping gear and everything. I, I borrow gear. I bring it back to him the next day, two days later. And Davey goes, hey, man, did you dry out that bag? Because it got a little wet that night. And I'm like, yeah. I lied. And that was the first sign that I, for me, that I can distinctly remember getting healthier because I dreaded it the rest of the day and fessed up the next day and apologized. I go, I don't really even know why I lied besides it's just a natural habit at this point. And I, I, I don't know. I was just embarrassed that I didn't do the right thing. You know what I mean? So I've tried to just do the little stuff. You know, even on the fire department, there's that, that whole saying, how can we trust you to bring it to the biggest moment if we can't even trust you to take the garbage out? You know? Yeah, like how, totally. So I tried to... Is stomping the garbage to the bottom the same If it's as lower. As long as it's lower. That's okay, making cool. it more efficient. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right, We're good. smarter, not harder. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, so I got a question. Uh, <laughs> if and when and how are you going to talk to your, your kids about this? That's it. Because that, that's got to be, you know, parents, you, we don't want our kids living, living the pain and misery that we've Exactly. Had. And that so, was always my, one of my biggest fears was my kids were going to end up with the same disease as mine and not come out as unscarred as I, and I have my scars, but not, that's right, I didn't kill anyone. Sure. I didn't, I didn't end up in jail. I didn't lose a limb. I didn't lose a life. I, you know, so I didn't kill someone else. 
Yeah. In I my know. own car, my own friend. So it's funny that, yes, so in November, November is my favorite month of the year. I got married in November. Um, my sobriety date's in November. November 16th, right? Yep. Okay. November, Veterans Day. Yeah. Thanksgiving. So it's a huge, like, it's just my favorite month. It's a gratitude month for me. So, like, on my Instagram account and stuff like that, I'll do a gratitude every day of the month. Well, all of a sudden, my boy's 14 years old, and now he's got Instagram. So I, And I had never talked to him about drinking. There's really no, my wife will have a glass of wine here and there. I've never seen her drunk. I've seen her buzz, I think, once or twice, which is fortunate, you know. Um, so I had to have the conversation with my boys who were 14 and 12 at the time. Yeah. And I go, listen, I said, I just want to tell you that, you know, I had a problem with alcohol. I'm considered an alcoholic. I don't drink anymore. I haven't drinking since 1998. On the 16th, I'll usually celebrate my sobriety on Instagram. I didn't want to hear it from Instagram first and not hearing it from me. So they had some questions and things like that. And Naturally. And my son goes, so what did you get? I go, let's not get into details. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're gonna, we got, there's plenty of time for that. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Maybe in 15 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah exactly. And let's just say it didn't work out well. <laughs> yeah. And when I tell people all the time, they're like, why'd you stop drinking? I'm like, well, I, I gained an allergy to, to uh, alcohol. And I'm like, really? What happens? I'm like, every time I drink, I break out in handcuffs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. So... Fast forward a year later, my son's playing eighth grade football last year, my oldest. And uh, their head coach is a coach at Chandler High. And I talked to him. I'm like, listen, I said, I've been sober. So I got sober in 98. So this year it'll be 23 years. So at that time, it was 22 years. I got, listen, I got, I've been sober for 22 years. I said, I started drinking at 14 years old as a freshman, steady. Had a beer or two before that, but freshman year is when I started hanging out with older kids, and that's where my path, I go, all these kids are headed that direction. I said, would you be okay with me talking to them on the last practice of the season? So the first time my son heard my story was with 21 of his, of his teammates. Wow. But I had asked him that week, I'm like, hey, this is what I want to do. Are you okay with it? I said, because I know kids your age can use it as a weapon. You know, oh, your dad's fucking drunk, this, that, and the other. But I had built a relationship with these boys. It wasn't yeah. just like, oh, yeah, you, weren't a, you weren't a stranger. I'm, I'm, I'm a shoulder, hand around the shoulder guy. Coach Adam um, might fuck us up now. <laughs> Even worse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell them this story. They're like, I'm not fucking Coach Yeah, Adam. we got some kids from you know, downtown <laughs> Chandler and stuff like that that really? live in different neighborhoods. And they come up. And I tell my story, which is emotional for me, emotional for me because I'm telling in front of my son who's just like my dad. He's right here. He's not real high. real. He's listening and paying attention. I had kids coming up and shaking my hand. And they, one of those kids, Quentin, comes up. He goes, Goddamn, Coach, I wasn't expecting that out of you. (laughs) 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 You have no idea. Uh, A question I ask sometimes, but yours is actually, actually, as as you're talking about all this stuff, I'm like, I got to ask Matt a question. Um, If you could go back to your 13-year-old self, what would you tell him? You know, it's hard because if I didn't go through all that, I wouldn't be who I am now. Right. Right. So I don't know if I'd want to change it. Maybe get, maybe take chances earlier as far as building who I am. Mm-hmm. Not give him my. <sighs> you can think about it for a couple minutes. It's all going to work out. Okay. That, that's actually a really good fucking advice. Like, 
no matter what happens, it's it's all gonna, it's work, all gonna out. work out. Just don't stop. It don't stop. And it, yeah. it, early in sobriety, and so there, that big general came out years back and said, you know, make your bed every day. Well, I started that in sobriety. My first day, I got home. McRaven. I started making my bed. Yeah, that's McRaven. Yeah, because. The way I looked at it is I didn't get anything, and it wasn't as noble as him. The way I looked at it is if I didn't get anything else done the rest of the day, at least I got one thing accomplished. Yeah. So I started with basics like that. And then the other perspective, <laughs> when people complain, I'd always be like, well, at least you don't have diarrhea. And they're like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I go, well, isn't every problem worse for shit in your pants? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> diarrhea sucks. So uh, in my sucks. layman monkey head, I had to put it in the simplest forms just to get through day by day. And there's days, I, I mean, just like you're saying, that I struggled minute by minute. Yeah, I could just imagine. You know, and it wasn't a, uh, and the, hard, the, the good times are, were harder than the hard times. Really? Because I wanted to be with my friends and live that life and drink like a normal person and right. go to the bars, go to the restaurant, have a, take my wife out for uh, dinner and have a beer. Or like when we're in New York City, when we're walking around the streets, just to be able to sit at a cafe and have a beer. I got to tell you, man, I'm not a big drinker. Never fucking have been. I, I, like, I'm just not. It's never made anything better for me. Oh, no. Ever. Like, even, like, the good times, like, like whatever, like, sometimes it just, it's never like, this is so much better now that I've drank six beers. It's just, it's never, it's never been that fucking way. No. Yeah, like, like, I'd rather. The stories are funnier. Some Fuck of my yes stories are. are crazy. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. Watch this. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, but I'm like, you, I'd rather watch everybody else get all fucked up and act stupid. Like, this is going to be awesome. So, yeah, I got, I, I got plenty of buddies I like watch to get fucked up and then laugh at them. But, yeah, it's never, so. But that's great advice. Yeah, I think I think it's all going to work out. Would probably be. I the love thing. that, dude. That's awesome. That is a fantastic message. Well, what are we two hours again? Like always. <laughs> yeah, we're like, a little over. Yeah, w- without w- without we don't even try, dude. And everything always ends up about two hours. Man, I gotta say, dude, I like I've known you for a little bit, but I haven't known you like this. Like, what a fucking amazing story! Like, thank you for coming on and, and talking to us about it. Like, I think you're going to help a lot of people just with all that stuff and like whatever's been said. I don't. I don't. I don't fucking. I'm kind of dumbfounded, dude. It was fucking awesome. No, so like, like, love it. Like the courage part of it, and the 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 insecurities that we all feel, and you know, you felt like you 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 had it, but we all have it, man. Every single one of us has. Just how we deal with it. Yeah, and I think there's so many folks out there, and so many people that we know and that we work with that may have similar issues. I think. whether they're our age or whether they're thirty years younger than us, they're gonna. Uh, this is gonna mean a lot to them, or 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 possibly impact them in a way that they had not anticipated. So yeah. I think it's a big deal. And I think you look at it too. So when we're all going through hard stuff, the passing of your mom, you don't know yeah. how to deal with it until you're dealing with it. Yeah. yeah. And then you don't realize that a year from now, two years from now, some of you're working with or close is gonna lose their mom. Mm-hmm. And you've walked that path yep. so you can be there for him. I, one of my best friends on the job, his son went through issues with pills and alcohol and things like that. And to be able to be there for his kid. Yeah. When he was there for me during my hard times on the fire department with the loss of my dad. And, and not knowing in 1998 that in 2018 that I would be there for one of my 50-something-year-old friends, sons. It's just... Yeah, there are no coincidences, man. Like, it just... Yeah, time it, it's... Go on, I, and I know that it means the world to him. Yeah. It's just, it's... 
He called me. The kid called me on my on my fiftieth birthday. What do you say? You're old as fuck. Oh, the, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like to tell people I'm like the evolutionary chart now. <laughs> it takes me like six steps before I can stand fully up at Homo sapien. <laughs> but you know, you you look at the where you put yourselves in your life and and how you affect people's lives. And I don't sit there and put this any grandiose thing on my life. But so we have a a. a, a, a I consider her my daughter now. She's 30 years old. Grew up in a house with no good parenting, sadness, and grew up a lot by herself. So all of a sudden, I'm a father figure to a 30-year-old half-Asian lesbian girl that's marrying her best friend, and I'm I'm officiating their wedding. Awesome. I'm like, that's that's, that's hey, cool, 18 man. years old, you tell me that, I'd be like, <laughs> you're out of your goddamn mind. <laughs> and to have a wife that like is like, yeah, Sounds family. like a good idea. Yeah, yeah. She's family. Yeah, like, she's she's yours. She she'll never say it's hers because they're too close in age, and she don't. Want, my right. wife don't want to be fifty oh, yeah. like me. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but so you you put yourself in and out of people's life. You make yourself vulnerable. You make yourself strong when you can to try to be there when you can. Because I mean, this life is just about showing up. I think. Well, yeah, and like in realizing things that that life is short, right? Like yeah. it fucking it goes by fast, and yeah. like. Truly, like the podcast, like when we decided to do it and stuff like that, and I was trying to come up with a name and shit like that, and like we truly, I know it sounds fucking cheesy, but we wanted to make the difference, man, and that's what like having you guys on here, you know, guys like you on here that actually do make the difference out there for people and like just change, change your life, stuff like that. It's it's important for people to hear these messages, like it's it, it is, man, like because I don't know, it's the craziest shit, like since we haven't been recording for a while because of. COVID or whatever else, all that shit. Like, guys reach out to us all the time. They're like, dude, we miss it. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, don't worry. We're fucking recording more. But, I mean, I, I've never left this fucking room and been like, oh, that sucked. I wish I didn't do that. Yeah. Never, dude. And, like, today, like today, I, I, like, I'm going to walk out of here even in a fucking better mood. L- like, listen to your story. So, thank you. Tremendous, dude. Awesome. I love it. Like, I appreciate so the much. opportunity. Yeah. And it's just, it's honestly, it's humbling to be at this spot in my life where I could be a good influence not only on my, my sons and my wife and my family and stuff, but maybe touch somebody outside, the of, world, dude. Yeah, the outside world. of my circle. So on that point, if, if, if someone would want to reach out to you, how do they find you on Instagram or social media? Uh, it's just my name, Adam Kayazo. You got to spell the last name, dude. Kayazo, common spelling. Traditional spelling. So I get up to speak at Sean's funeral, and they got my name spelled out, hyphen. Phonetically? Yeah. Do they really? So it's K-Y-A-Z-O. I go, did somebody think a Japanese guy was coming up here? Like, <laughs> <Maybe. laughs> oh, yeah. Shit, I did not. I didn't remember that either. <laughs> well, they, I have it on the sheet because they wanted to introduce yeah. me. I don't remember who. I'm like, I have that at home in my drawer really? of stuff. Yeah. yeah I, was like, I never paid attention to you that. You have to take a picture and send it so we can post it when, when his episode comes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, C-A-I-A-Z-Z-O, but it's at Adam Kayazo. Okay, cool. Real creative. <laughs> yeah, oh, mine, mine's real fun. Creative. My first one's real fucking creative too. At Brandon Meon. So yeah. yeah, fuck it. So we're sharing, we're sharing the same stupid brain. So yeah, so it's perfect. Why waste it there? Yeah, exactly. Because then I'd forget it, like all my other passwords. <laughs> <laughs> Finish it out, Chris. All right. Well, uh, yeah, but I got I got to say thank you and a hundred percent. This is a big deal and I appreciate you sharing and and we've at least I I've learned and I, and I know Brandon everybody else been here have learned that that how. Uh, how how uh, how big of a deal it is to actually come in and tell your story and to to kind of step outside of your body and say here's what here's what happened that's pretty impressive man I'm 
greatly appreciate you doing that. You did it um, effortlessly. Yeah, <laughs> really. I've, and I've gotten, well, I've gotten the opportunity <laughs> right. to speak at meetings and speak in front of the football team. And, and I've been in more. That, and honestly, that speaking in front of my, my son's team was the most uncomfortable, nervous I'd ever been. I can imagine. And I've speaken, spoken in, in a room of 200 people. I, get, yeah. I can't wait till you get till he's an adult and he gets to tell you really what he thinks about that as yeah. an adult. That's going to be pretty impressive. It, and so my journey of communication and being able to talk to you, we've been really able to instill it in our kids, and they're way farther along well, than sure. I was at that age. And my dad wasn't, cool. wasn't a big talker. He grew up in Brooklyn with a dad that he didn't really like. So I don't even know how he was so affectionate and loving because his dad wasn't real affectionate and loving. He just happened to be. Hmm. And uh, we were able to kind of pay it forward to our boys. So hopefully it keeps going forward. That's awesome. But thank you for the opportunity. Very yeah. humbled by it. Absolutely. Well, uh, you can find our uh, Make the Difference podcast at any of the uh, major podcast outlets, Apple, Stitcher, Google. All that shit. That's all the big ones, right? <laughs> yeah. doesn't yeah. really matter. You can find us. You know where we're at. Yeah, if you really want to find us. So, yeah, thank you very much, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>